optimal minimal. At this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Can I ask you a personal question? Now it is seen a perfect time. I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over a metal endoskeleton. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I get asked all the time what I would take if I could only take one supplement. The answer is invariably Athletic Greens. I view it as all-in-one nutritional insurance. I recommended it, in fact, in the four-hour body. This is more than 10 years ago, and I did not get paid to do so. With approximately 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, you'd be very hard-pressed to find a more nutrient-dense and comprehensive formula on the market. It has multivitamins, multimineral greens complex, probiotics and prebiotics for gut health, an immunity formula, digestive enzymes, adaptogens, and much more. I usually take it once or twice a day just to make sure I've covered my bases if I miss anything I'm not aware of. Of course, I focus on nutrient-dense meals to begin with. That's the basis. But Athletic Greens makes it easy to get a lot of nutrition when whole foods aren't readily available. From travel packets, I always have them in my bag when I'm zipping around. Right now, Athletic Greens is giving my audience a special offer on top of their all-in-one formula, which is a free vitamin D supplement and five free travel packs with your first subscription purchase. Many of us are deficient in vitamin D. I found that true for myself, which is usually produced in our bodies from sun exposure. So adding a vitamin D supplement to your daily routine is a great option for additional immune support. Support your immunity, gut health, and energy by visiting athleticgreens.com slash TFS. You'll receive up to a year's supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your subscription. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash TFS, as in Tim Ferriss show. athleticgreens.com slash TFS. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello, ladies and germs. This is Tim Ferriss, and welcome to another episode of The Tim Ferriss Show, where I deconstruct world-class performers to tease out and pull out the routines, the habits, the breakfasts, the favorite books, the behaviors, and so on that you can use in your own life. Borrow from these individuals who have achieved the pinnacle of whatever their chosen field might be, whether that's chess, hedge fund managing, sports, acting, government, you name it, military, it goes on and on. And in this particular episode, we have a foursome. It is very exciting, folks. And I was very nervous about the tech and managing all of the cables and so on. But it turned out even better than I could have possibly hoped. It was after a workout with these people who all could kick my ass in so many ways, it is impossible to count. And that is a good thing, because if you are the strongest person in the room, if you are the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And 
we have three people. So we have first Laird Hamilton, who is widely considered the greatest big wave surfer of all time. He is also a very innovative influencer in modern board sports and surfing. So he is considered either the creator or certainly popularizer of toe and surfing, which allows him and now many, many other people to surf waves bigger than ever before possible and is largely responsible for the rebirth of stand-up paddleboarding. If you've seen people stand-up paddleboarding, chances are on some level you have Laird to thank for it. Laird has starred in many surfing films and was the centerpiece of Riding Giants, a documentary about big wave surfing, which if you have not seen, you have to see. It'll make your palms sweat within the first few minutes. It's insanity. And he's also uh, considered the rider of the heaviest wave of all time, or at least at the time that Surfing Magazine had him on the cover, and the only caption was, oh my god. So he's been a contributing editor for Men's Journal. He's been on Oprah, Charlie Rose, 60 Minutes, The Ellen DeGeneres Show. And uh, he's also very well known, and I, I admire Laird for this, for using his lifestyle and his skill set to raise money for charities, including Race Across America, Pipeline for a Cure for Cystic Fibrosis, Rain Catcher, and Muscular Dystrophy, etc. He's an awesome dude, and the only person perhaps as intimidatingly awesome is his wife, uh, Gabrielle Reese. Gabby has been named one of the 20 most influential women in sports and is best known for her fantastic success in volleyball. But she's, of course, also done modeling. She's had starring roles as a trainer on The Biggest Loser. And uh, Reese is just incredible. And I've had a chance to work out with Gabby. Uh, she is every bit as incredible as Laird. And they're both about a foot taller than I am. But... Um, Let's not go there. That's okay. I feel okay in my, my gnomish-like stature. In any case, uh, Gabby has also used her sort of crossover success in these different fields to become the first female athlete to ever design a shoe for Nike, and she now serves as a fitness expert for Yahoo Health, among many, many other things. The last person in our little menage four, I don't know how to say that in French, is uh, Brian McKenzie. He is the founder of CrossFit Endurance and the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Unbreakable runner. Uh, Brian has created a lot of controversy and uh, he was featured in the four hour body for a lot of it by suggesting a very counterintuitive approach to distance running uh, in which he challenges high mileage runs, high carb diets, and incorporates a lot of intense strength training. In some cases, very brief strength training to conquer everything from five K's to ultra marathons. And many of you out there have used his protocol, his sort of eight week to 12 week protocol in the four hour body to go from running nothing to running marathons and ultra marathons in record time. So congratulations. And uh, Laird, for those of you who didn't see it, was also one of my surfing coaches in the Tim Ferriss experiment. So just check that out. iTunes.com forward slash Tim Ferriss, two R's and two S's. And without further ado, here is Laird, Gabby, and Brian. Guys, welcome to the show. I'm so thrilled to have you guys here. And uh, I thought that we could just start off with a description of what just happened, because I came in here this morning terrified of this workout, and <laughs> you had something be Brian had something else in mind. And uh, I came out, out of the workout really exhausted, feeling great, and having done things in the workout I didn't think I was capable of. And I was hoping, Laird, maybe you could just describe the training a little well, that, bit. That that seems like a perfect uh, scenario. You know, no, you, it, it was. I was very surprised. Yeah, it did all those things to you. It, yeah. I, well, and and 
I mean, ultimately, I think it's about challenging your beliefs, mm-hmm. but also challenging your, you know, your physicality. So, I mean, within that scenario of, you know, the things that we've done, which were, were thermoregulating the heat, the ice, the pool, the, the, the lack of breath, the, the effort of, you know, of swimming and jumping and, you know, all the physical stuff. I mean, there's just so many things happening simultaneously. I think it really is about just complete confusion. Yeah. And uh, what I also realized, and for those people who are not familiar with Laird's pool, and why would you be, there are stairs. There's a staircase built into the middle of the pool so that people can walk down. But then you might think, well, wouldn't you just float up to the surface? But you have everyone weighed down with... With giant dumbbells. With giant well, dumbbells. Well, it's not a set of steps that brings you into the pool. These right. are steps that are underwater in the middle of the pool. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. And uh, what I realized... It's for when it's empty. <laughs> right, exactly. So you can do so you can do your workouts when the yeah, pool is empty. It's that far down. <laughs> and uh, uh, the uh, so, so Gabby, you gave me some very good advice. I just remember holding dumbbells, and you're like, "Your eyes don't need to be as wide open." I, I just looked like I don't know a cat in a corner, I guess, probably bug eyed. And faster is not better. And I was hoping maybe you could just elaborate on that because I think it's a it's a really interesting concept that translates not just to the workout in the pool, but to a lot of things. Well, we were just saying that earlier that it's very true to life, um, that it's, it is more about with purpose and in with a, with a calm manner at times can actually be more effective. And so the water really exaggerates all of that and also forces you to sort of, uh, yield to that method. And so really just looking around takes up, uh, oxygen. Right. And so, and actually you did very well today. So you have to give yourself some credit, but Thank you. a lot of times we were so focused and our eyes open. Like when you play land sports and you go to focus, you do open your eyes. Right. Uh, it's, really it, widely, it's a focus yeah. mechanism, right? right? But in the pool, it's quite opposite where you have to relax everything that you can relax. Right. So all the air goes to the places that are doing the work, right? Your eyes, your jaw, everything has everything. to relax. And then it's moving in a way that you're, it's, what what amount of oxygen are you giving up for the amount of effort you're putting in and finding that sort of sweet spot of this this effort uh especially when you're not doing like really heavy heavy weight and right. it's more about the breath holding definitely and i was uh, you know Brian we were chatting mm-hmm. uh, a couple of days ago when i was doing one of my usual walks in san francisco and and you got me very excited about the the pool training obviously and rick uh who we both know rick rubin who's been on the podcast has talked about this and you were talking about using the mask that I now have, yes. as well as this training. And uh, when I asked you what you were most excited about these days, one of the answers was the breath training. And I just yeah. love to hear what you are doing with the breath training, sort of some of the results you've seen, uh, because it's such a fundamental aspect of all life and sports. But uh, having been exposed to like Wim Hof and so on, it's sort of come to the forefront of my mind. But this is my first time ever really playing around with it, yeah. you know, doing an exhale, then trying to swim lengths of a pool, which is completely different. But yes. what is, what has been, um, what has been your experience and how are you doing some of that training? Um, well, I, I first was given that training mask by a buddy of mine in Hawaii in, in Kauai elevation um, training mask, the elevation training mask. And you know, I, I looked at it and I, it was a little weirded out by it, but I, I was with anything I get, I'm like, I'm going to screw around with it. And if it makes sense for me to screw around with it, I'll continue to screw around with it. If it doesn't, I'll toss it. Um, and I immediately got a response out of my diaphragm. Like when I took a breath, you with, had to use your diaphragm, I had to use my diaphragm and for those people who, who don't 
have the visual. The mask, I guess it looks almost like a mask. Bane you, mask. You could use, right, a Bane mask for construction, right? You have the ventilation. Correct. You can change the amount of airflow that's permitted. Correct. Right. Correct. So you can go, they, their whole scheme is from like 3,000 feet to 18,000 feet, and you can change all of those settings. Laird likes to play around with it a little further, which is typical, um, which is good. You <laughs> Sounds know. so unlike him. Hey, I know. It's very unlike him. So <laughs> anyway, I, I got a, a quick understanding of this mask, and I saw something that I have seen fault in with every athlete I've really wor- ever worked with is like when you see a spinal fault or you see a mechanical spinal fault, meaning their posture is yeah, off. Posture's off, positions off. So if I'm and I'm making a quarter extremity violation, I am literally probably most likely making that fault with sp- spinal mechanics. Quarter extremity violation, meaning extre- one of your limbs is doing something funny. You, no, your limb is actually compensating for making up for the lack of stability that's going on uh, here. Got so it, got think it. of being overextended or being flexed too far forward. Right. If I flex so too far chest. forward, mm-hmm. I run into a wall when I breathe. If right. I overextend, same, I run into a wall issue. when I breathe. If I don't, yeah. I can breathe. Right. And I can. And this showed me immediately that I could get people who d- did not understand this concept, which is a very hard thing to come by. I mean, we could right. talk about it right now and people are probably like, okay, whatever, you know, yeah. but yeah. if I put the mask on, I immediately go to my nose. So I'm using my nose to breathe, which is, yes, you should be drawing in your breath for most of your breathing through your nose yeah. and you're forcing that diaphragm to work. So yeah. getting that concept down and then being introduced to Laird and Gabby through uh, my friend Kai, um, I came up here and it was, it, it, it was just, it's exactly like Laird said, it's a, you know, it's mass confusion. We're confusing it. We're, we're, we're kind of tossing the entire nuts and bolts at you. And then yeah. it's exactly as Gabby's explaining in the fact that it's like, look, you actually have to be conscious of what's really going on and controlled and like, Hey, where are you focused? Where are you doing? Are you the energy of, Oh my God, yeah. that facial expression is yeah. literally costing you energy. Right. That costs money. costs you reps. Yeah. Yeah. No, Those, exactly. It, it, that's what costs you reps. Or, and getting, so this, or getting to the other side. Yeah. And then all your friends see you not make it. And this has made more sense to me in being not only somebody who is a competitive swimmer, somebody who's a coach, somebody who's worked, but I I specialize in movement, but it's, you have to learn, you will get efficient in that pool very quickly. Right. Because all of the, any energy leak is exaggerated. Yes. Right. And just so people have a, a visual once again, the first exercise we did in the pool, I guess I had, I want to say started with 15 pound weights and uh, dumbbells and then moved up, but you're sort of sinking to the bottom of the pool and then doing a shoulder press as you jump up to the surface of the pool. And then you're bringing your arms down to your sides, almost like you're swimming a stroke. And that's like when a you jumping jack, like a jumping jack in a and that's big when, circle in a big circle. Mm-hmm. And that's when you take, you take the breath at the top. And so immediately I was like, Oh, I'm holding my breath underwater, but I have to start exhaling as soon as I go underwater. Otherwise I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm going to have to exhale and inhale right. at the top. And that's when I'm going to swallow water. Well, and, and you're so, also going to shorten your amount of air you can get in if you have to blow out and right. breathing, yeah. which is all again, counterintuitive. Yeah. Cost money, yeah. baby. And, and, you know, exactly. It costs money. And what was just so, uh, the learning curve was so fascinating to me because even after 10 reps or 15 reps, I was like, oh, that thing that I was freaking out about on rep three or four, completely unnecessary. Right. And then, uh, Gabby, I think you, you mentioned this to me as I was doing one of the exercises I was even more terrified of, which was holding a dumbbell to my chest 
and swimming underwater back and forth the across ammo the box. That's called the, the ammo, ammo box. The ammo box. Yeah. Uh, is if you feel like you can't make it, uh, exhale a little bit, which is so counterintuitive. That might have been BMAC. Brian, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you that's make, a trigger to your you brain. Make, and you make that, room too. Yeah. Well, it well also gives you time because your brain goes, Oh, I'm exhaling. I'm going to be inhaling. Right. So the brain, so again, it's mm-hmm. a little bit of a confusion. Right. Like you confuse yourself. You, yeah. And maybe you confuse your, your instincts, right? Like, like the breath holding the exhale drill wants you want to breathe in. As soon as you exhale, you have a mechanism that's designed to breathe in. Right. Because right. you have pressure on the diaphragm. The, the, you want to breathe in. But once you teach the body to, to resist against that and know it's okay that you're not going to breathe in right now because you still have the oxygen, then that, then it leads you to a, a new place. <laughs> and what, what is, now I, I have, we've, we've drained these glasses, but Laird, can you elaborate on this very potent <laughs> good, yellow it? elixir? It is good. Uh, I it put, put air in my Tim chest. Tim wanted to take a nap, but I, now he oh, is ready to climb Everest. Thermo, <laughs> yeah, thermogenerated. Yeah, yeah. And so we were doing the, the, the in pool exercises and then we would do ice bath yes. for three, at least three minutes minimum. Yep. And then about 15 minutes minimum yeah. in 20, in the hot box, 20, <laughs> the barrel sauna at two twenty. So I was about to take, I felt like I was ready for a nap and then I had this magic concoction. What is, what is in this beverage? Uh, well, that was, uh, fresh, fresh squeezed turmeric root. Yeah. yeah. And you have and a whole box of this turmeric yeah, root. Yeah. That he yeah. has sent from Kauai, let's yeah. say, yeah. But, yeah. but you can get it at the store. Yeah. yeah. But fresh, fresh squeezed turmeric root, uh, uh, liquid pepper extract mm-hmm. and then uh, raw honey and apple cider vinegar yeah. and water. Yeah. And water, of course to dilute. <laughs> yeah. So that was fully diluted by right. the way. No, that's uh that's intense. Yeah. I'd have to, <laughs> but I, but I really enjoyed it. And you also showed me something earlier, which is about the size of a large cat. Oh. <laughs> uh, it is a mushroom. What type of mushroom is this? Yeah. It's called a chaga chaga chaga, which is pretty uncommon hard to find from it, from what i understand yeah rare but rare more because it's unknown but also its uniqueness of the habitat it comes from yeah and and uh and then the ability to use it and most people just don't know about it yeah. so it's it's uh but it's the most powerful mushroom it, in the world they say the spores are f- uh found in the stratosphere huh. they they found chaga spores like in the in the stratosphere Wild. Almost in space well isn't it the only <laughs> mushroom too that grows on a living uh yes. organism yeah and doesn't take from it. It's not living. God, it's not a parasite. Tree. It's actually yeah. supplying sort the of symbiotic relationship. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the, I think today sort of the theme for me has just been fear so far, my own fear. <laughs> so I'd love to talk about that just a little bit. Uh, all three of you, I think have, they've sort of befriended fear in some ways, but so Gabby, when, when you were competing or even now, uh-huh. uh, obviously world-class athlete, uh, what was your self-talk like before a big match or before a big event? How would you prepare yourself for that? Well, well you know, I, I'm not going to answer for <laughs> her, but I want to, I want to preface, I want to help you out with the <laughs> yeah. question because I met this Gabby on a show right called <laughs> the extremist. Yeah. <laughs> so, and she was the host when yeah. I met her. Right, right, right. And she came to interview me <laughs> and she had already interviewed like 60 other people yeah. and done an aspect of their sport. Oh, so got for it. her before a match in volleyball, like I respect that as an athlete, but for her to go out and jump out of a plane to be, to go hang gliding on some crazy guy to do a, you know, a, a, a dragster bike. I mean, these are because you're going into, I don't, I think, I mean, you, you can ask her the question. She can answer it instead of me, but ultimately ask her the question of where, what was more heavy, like before a big match that you were going to play or like get on a 
drag bike that you've never been on and release the clutch and go zero to 60 in a second. No, that's helpful. <laughs> that's very helpful. So uh, I feel like even wow. Thank you, honey. more of a weakling and coward than I did before I asked the question. No, no, but no. let me. Well, you know, I have to say that when you when you when you practice many hours and you dedicate a lot of time to something, yeah. it it does have a different value. Sure. You know, if I was doing MTV Sports or The Extremists, there was a margin of I'm going to do the best I can. Yeah. And certainly, you know, Laird always jokes that if there's, if there's like something on the line, then I'm very good, like really focused. Like if you so, said to me, yeah. Hey, Gabrielle, let's go for a mountain bike ride and, and we're going to go for like three hours. It's totally rad and extreme and go downhill. I'd be like, I'm good. Yeah. But if you said, Hey, there's this point in purpose and we're going to, and I would do it then. Yeah. So I'm a little different that way. You need the, the stakes or the incentive kind or the of, point of it. it. Kind of. And that's maybe not great actually, yeah. I'll be honest with you. So volleyball, I had a different emotional attachment because I invested a lot of time and it meant a lot to me. Yeah. Um, so I, I had a, a different expectation expectation, yeah. right. Going into it. Um, I would kind of go through a ritual that would get me into a different headspace where I was switching from, you know, me as a person to me, the competitor, but, um, what did the ritual look like? You know, it was sort of like the hair goes up in a ponytail and then you start putting sunblock on and then they put my, I'd white clean my glasses. I'd put those on. It was all very thought out. I would detach away from right. everyone except my teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, but how long did that pregame ritual I didn't last? Eat long, like maybe 15, 20 minutes. 15, I was 20 superstitious minutes. too. I would never compete in the color red. If I wore something and competed, played badly, I would not use that visor or hair tie or pair of glasses again. Right. So I did have those weird things. But I think uh, like any athlete will tell you, there's certain things that I wish I had been better at. Um, it took me, I think having children has made me um, less concerned with making everybody happy. Right. And I think even when I was competing, I was a lot, I was really concerned about how people felt. Right. Um, so that was hard because it's hard to try to be, oh, you're trying to kick ass, but then you're worried about how people feel. Right. It's a bad dynamic. Yeah. So I did have, I, I would change personality, but I, I will truthfully say that I also, I think I held myself back. So coming back to the, the parenting comment. So mm-hmm. having kids has made you care less about what people think. Well, you Is just straight get meaner. You just get meaner. Because you have no time. To people outside of your kids or to the kids also? Everybody. Okay. <laughs> no, I think, you know, listen, no, you I have mean, less time. Yeah. And also as a woman, we're taught as young girls, hey, be nice. It's If you're nice, girls act like this. And so it takes a long time to get to a place to go, okay, there, I'm going to do things, say things, and believe in things that people aren't going to like. And right. I'm going to be okay with that. Right. It takes Men do that so much easier. And it takes women a very long time. And if you're the only athletes I've seen that do it very easily are generally the youngest girl with all older brothers. Uh, they understand it's not personal much right. sooner right. than girls. Yeah. And so, you know, and the other thing I always say is I wasn't really groomed to be a champion. Like Carrie Walsh, for example, her whole life was groomed. She was told at an early age, you're a winner. You can win. It's okay to win. Expect to win. I fell into winning and learning to win. And so that was another thing I had to overcome. How did you fall into winning? By being really tall and being decently athletic and getting into sports. And but then, you didn't have the sort of familial support. I didn't at all. And I, and I was, I was a late bloomer and all these things. So it was all like, well, is it okay to win? And like, it's, it's kind of going good. Like it was all that weird sort of things that you had to overcome. Right. So I think there's a lot of things you learn and children put things into real perspective for you. Age puts things into perspective and those usually happen kind of simultaneous. Yeah. Um, and you, again, you have less time, so you 
kind of cut through the cut crap. to the chase. Yeah. Uh, Brian, so you've worked with a lot of athletes. You know a lot of world class coaches. And you've traveled a ton. Uh, when you think of the word successful, who's the first person who comes to mind? Um, I will. These two are easily at that list. Yeah. Um, That's because you're sitting here. <laughs> well, well, you asked the question. I'm sitting in front no, of two, no, yeah. two how people. His, how about his He's wife? Married to one. Yeah. His badass wife. Yeah. My wife. Um, you, you know, when he said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, yeah. <laughs> so, so let's. So why? why what are the characteristics? Why? Why do you now? Without I, I, knowing mm-hmm. who they were or what they, I knew who Laird was. I knew who Gabby was, mm-hmm. but t- irrelevant to to the situation and, and what I was brought into and how I met them. And and at the top of that sits happiness. Um, you take away the financial side of stuff. You take away the extreme, you take away the, you know, career, the like, Hey, I was at the pinnacle of sport. Like I was, you know, I, I was a world-class athlete. You take that away and you see how a dynamic is working and you see how, people are functioning and they're happy. They're surrounded by people who are happy. They are, it's, it's a, it's an ecosystem in itself. Um, so I I think that's, you know, it's easy to just say that because they're sitting right here, you know, because it's the truth. You know, um, I know plenty of people like that, but I also know plenty of people that are miserable that, yeah. you know, you would say, oh, they're so successful. And it's like, hmm, what do you consider yeah, that? Right. If you use the bank account, maybe. <laughs> yeah. The bank yeah. account or like even like just behavior, yeah, like behavior of, uh, like I'm threatened by you. I'm, I'm insecure about this stuff. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah you got some stuff to work on still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we can unleash I'm not, the wild, I, I'm I'm out of this situation. Like yeah. I've got to exit from this. It it just doesn't work enough for me. Yeah. Like in so the happiness. Let's talk about that for a second because one thing that really struck me and why uh, I like hanging out with you guys also and want, have wanted to hang out more was when uh, I was filming for the Tim Ferriss experiment. We did the surfing episode, which was a blast. And thank you guys both for putting up with me for that period of time. Uh, and I suppose putting up with me now also. But the 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 memory that comes to me when people are like, oh, how was it? what was it like hanging out with them? And, I, and it's the time at home when you were joking around with the kids and like doing the steam baths and the the ice baths. That's, I was like, you know, it's not just the really, 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 good athletes who have maintained an unbelievable level of physical performance. Uh, it's that it, you feel, you seem to have a very kind of integrated life, uh, with as spouses and then with the kids. Uh, but you obviously had, had, uh, some challenges growing up. Wasn't easy. What have you, uh, Laird, like how have you guys thought about parenting and what you are trying to do differently with your kids? Well, I think that it's our, you know, I think, for everyone, you maybe want to be the parent that you didn't have, or you, right. th- or maybe you want to be the parent you think you wanted. Right. You know, you also, of course, you know, depending on the relationship with your parents, if, if they, if you had an incredible one, then you want to try to be the parent that you had. Right. So there was parents I, you know, some of the parents I had right. were they parents had I re- want to be. And some of the parents I had, I were parents I didn't want to be. And right. so, you know, you try to, you try to, you know, you try to do the best you can. And you, and I mean, you go from your instincts, you go from your heart. You, I mean, you, when you really look at it, when I, if I look at the most important thing 
for me in parenting, uh, being parented, right. you know, as a young child was being loved. I go like being loved was probably, and if I can just, you know, be, loving your children can override a lot of wrongs. Yeah. I mean, you know? how, how do you, how do you demonstrate that? Uh, well, you, well, I mean, that sounds yeah. like a weird question, no, but do you but know what I mean? Because really I think different. a lot of smart, I know a lot no. of smart people who are just not good parents well, we and like, do it, we they do it try, different. but they're not good. We do it different. Like, so for example, <laughs> Reese, our middle daughter, who is more similar to Laird and very emotional. She would be going through thank something you. and <laughs> I was, thank you. No, she is. I know straight up. And our and, younger daughter, more similar to Gabby is a ruthless killer. True. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so Reese would be like upset about something and I'd be like, well, let's, you know, let's talk about it. How are you feeling? What's going on? You know, Reese, I mean, Laird would walk in the room, kind of take one look at her and just grab her and put her on the floor and hug her. Right. Yeah, right and so, right. um, I think one thing is we've learned is we try our best to be an allied front. We never let the kids feel like they can wedge between us yeah. ever. Um, so that's very helpful. That's for sure. <laughs> and I think, believe it or not, Laird is more uh, touchy, feely, love them, you know. Well, they're also girls. I mean, if we had some sons, you might be... Maybe. You, there might be a different Maybe. relationship. That's true. Because it's male-female at a yeah. certain yeah. point. It's right. daddy's little girls and mommy's little right. boys. It's right. it's just the nature, the, the dynamic. I mean, I had a mother that I had an incredible relationship with, and you just have that male-female connection. That's you true. You just don't with, you know, same, two bulls. Sex, yeah. 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 Two. So I think you have that. And then, you know, I make sure, like, I understand the nuances. Like, their favorite, they need this certain... Dr- clothing and like uh, lessons and then they can talk to me about their girl stuff yeah and i you know they know i'm not going to surprise them like but I'm we're steady. inclusive too and we treat yeah. them like adults we've always spoken to them like adults yeah we we treat them like like a like an adult we yeah. you know they, what do they say treat them like an honored guest and they home. don't act like one yeah. you right. know but but ultimately you know we treat we treat them we take them with us when we go we all go together right we, when we go to eat somewhere i mean we go to dinner parties where no one brings their kids but we bring our kids because yeah. they're just Otherwise, right. we don't go. Right. And the people that invite us know that, hey, That's if, the deal. if they come, they're coming with the... It's our family. It, yeah. And, 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 and we're tough on them. We're tough on them. We're, we're, in what we're, ways are you tough on them? I mean, we're just... Like, if they do something where that could be perceived as not using really good judgment, there's no like, well, honey, you know, we don't do that in this house. It's straight up like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, so I think there's a direct... We have a very direct style of parenting, which... Thank goodness our children are a certain way because for me personally, my kids are very stubborn and strong-willed and everything else, but it would be much harder for me if I had a kid that was, that I'd have to coddle more. Right. Uh, because I would, I, I don't know that verbiage as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but listen, I've had to say, I'm sorry many times. Yeah. That's another thing you learn sorry as a parent. Your kids. You have to learn to say sorry because you blow it. Yeah. So you can, it's sometimes you can go, Hey, you know what? I'm, I am extra tired today and I, my fuse is short and I am being unfair to you and I'm sorry. Like you have to learn that you're imperfect and, and kind of open that door up too. Like there's times that you go, Hey, you know, I always say to my girls, do you feel loved enough? You know, because but part of, but part you want to know. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, 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 come on, mom. You know, but I think you should ask. Yeah. Well, just asking says a lot, right? Even, even if they like brush it off, like yeah. I would imagine kids. Well, it's also respect yeah. by asking them respect. And also yeah. you're showing them it's okay to not be perfect because we're not perfect either. Right. So we're not demanding some perfection out of them, which is totally unobtainable. How right. you, who can do that? But having yeah. said that, like right now, our almost 20 year old daughter, she doesn't love us right now. Right. <laughs> 
I'm t- straight up. Like, yeah. she doesn't, she's not loving us right now. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So it's not like, ooh, la, la, la. You but, know, you know I, I, and what's interesting, because Brian's comments talking about, you know, seem, having that, that, that happiness or contentment or is a sign of success. And I always said as a parent, to be a successful parent would be that you could raise a content human. Cause I don't know that many. Right. So if you could actually be a parent that raises a content human, yep. good parenting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what I've, what I've also noticed just with, with you guys and then, uh, Brian and I, it's, it's I, I want to get your take on, on, uh, on a bunch of things, uh, is that you have, you mentioned the kind of wrestling to the ground. Mm-hmm. You have a very physical relationship with your kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I think it's no, no, no. But I, <laughs> I, it's like, it's a very, as someone who's only recently gotten back into physical play, doing stuff like acro yoga, mm-hmm. it's been incredibly effective at anxiety reduction, relaxation, and just feeling grounded and connected to other people. So I think that's, that's also something that has struck me is just how you use a lot of physical interaction with your kids. But think about Hawaii yeah. too. Like, yeah. like if you, if my kids were here and you go to leave, they're going to get up and walk you to the door and say goodbye. In Hawaii, when you see an auntie or an uncle, you give them a hug. Right. There, there's a touching component of like, uh, tactile and all more how like, I mean, think about even animals, right? Yeah. Like if my kid does something and I'm going to grab her arm. Right. right. Even like, even if it's okay, t- you know, physical and play, but it's just physical like we're in general, yeah. We're connected. But I also think that the physical is a reflection of the emotional. Okay. You know, because if you know, you do yoga and it's an intense position and you're having all this stuff, but this is for spiritual enlightenment. This is to come to a higher level of consciousness, but it's a physical act. So in a way, this physical relationship we have makes them mentally stronger, sure. makes them mentally, you know, all, all these things are just reflection, these physical reflections of these emotional states. So all of a sudden, emotionally, they're a lot more yeah. open and do new things and handle yeah. and be tough and all that stuff. Well, it's like the training in the pool earlier. Exactly. Same, same element of transfer. Uh, Brian, you looked like you had something to say. I do have a, another well, question. I, I, for you I also. think this all adds to the, po- this, this is, happiness this is they're they're having fun with their kids yeah you i don't see there's only really a couple other people and the other person that really comes to mind when the same way that there's a family like this is kelly yeah star and and everything the star i mean i'm a part of that family like i am literally i i I don't live there anymore I, i used to live five doors down yeah but i go up there i stay at the house i'm with the girls i help the girls get ready i'll take them to school i'll like the whole process is this whole auntie uncle this whole thing of being happy and are we having fun if we're not having fun what are we doing but they seem even happier than we are sometimes i feel like larry and i are like rough around the edges a little bit like you know, like there's no secrets and it's kind of, you know, like I feel like when I see no. Kelly, it feels like lighter and nicer. Like, nah. I, I envy that in some people. Yeah, like I'm like, yes, oh. but, well, but Kelly's Kelly and, but you two it is, I, there has been very rare that I have seen it, almost a, the same type of dynamic happening where you have a husband wife combination that is, is that works in the dynamic that it does. Well, here, here's a question for you. Yeah. So the two examples that you brought up. Yes. Right. Kelly, Juliet, two of you, they work out together. Yeah. Right. And so you, uh, people say sometimes that, you know, those who work out together stay together. Mm -hmm. Do you, can you think of anybody offhand who does not exercise together spouses who are very 
happy in the same way. Can you guys? I'm just curious yeah. if, if it, you can. Because I, I have friends, they function better when the two live their worlds and then they come together. Right. Because the, in a way, even though Laird and I are independent, I think we both need that touchstone with each other. Right. Um, and the it isn't just ch- like checking. Well, and it isn't maybe even the training because the joke is the only time we train together is in the pool because it's underwater and we can't talk because <laughs> we don't train together on the land. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like Laird is my confidant and someone that I go to to get bounce ideas off or in a mentor in other ways, but we don't actually train together too many, too bossy both. Right. right. <laughs> so that's the running joke. Like we don't, so the pool, it's well, cool. Her, Cause her class is too hard. Oh anyway. yeah. Right. Like the joke is like, we can train in the pool because we're under the water. <laughs> Cause we can't smack talk at each other. Or just like, I know. you should do it like this. No, I should do it like that. You know what well, I'm saying? We used to play volleyball. I used, it was to, be bad. The, I used to be the practice dummy. Yeah. And I would, bad. I would ride home in the back of the truck <laughs> yeah, with the dog. Cause we fight. Like I would be in the back with the dog in the truck and the dog. And I'd be driving yeah. the car, I'm like that underneath my yeah. breath, and Larry'd be sitting there, and one of the, the dogs would be licking his face, and he'd be pissed, and my team like would win on some bad call, always, technical. and he'd be like, "Oh, you girls feel good about winning like that? You're gonna win like that?" And we're like, "Yeah." Like you don't get it. Yeah. Like any way to win. And Laird just can't understand that. So we to be honest, like let's yeah. not glorify yeah. it. Yeah. We do things together, but it's there's a lot of space. Yeah, yeah. Because when you ha- when you days are long and when you're and years, right? Like yeah. we're going on twenty years. It's like you have to find that pace. Yeah. And there's some people, if they had nine to five jobs, maybe they should train together. Yeah, exactly. yeah, right. right. So we yeah, have a right. different deal. Yeah. Right? And and but the number one thing in all successful relationships, ten thousand couples, there's only one thing that was that that everybody had in common, no matter what the dynamic because there's all the all the different dynamics, one thing only. What is it? Great sex. Oh. No, oh, that's a good call. Idea. Yeah. That's a good call. Probably right. That was probably the second thing. <laughs> yeah. The first thing? That the man respected the woman. Uh, yeah. Number one yeah. thing yeah. that the yeah. man, I guarantee right. you, yeah. that Kelly respects his wife. He does. Oh, yeah. You can oh, see yeah. the way he talks about her. He I does. guarantee you. Oh, yeah. She, she take, guarantee- him, take him apart limb by limb. No, she has. Well, Brian <laughs> respects his wife. It, yeah. And it, I respect it. It's exactly yeah. it. So that's the right there. Those three couples, right away, respect the man, respect But can I say one thing? And I know in all those dynamics different, like the and woman's a bedrunner, the, the male's yeah. a bedrunner, she's dominant, he's dominant, whatever. But ultimately, more times than not, if, if the woman can refrain from trying to change or mother her partner, yep. she has a greater opportunity of putting herself in a position where the guy will respect you. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's support. That's it. it yeah. It's support. A man needs support. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love you guys yeah. and you're all strong, but you're very fragile. Oh, yeah. 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 And you need yeah. to be like... Supported and help yeah. you f- fully realize your voice, whatever well, of that course, is. Because we're expendable, and so we have to go out and die for you at some point. <laughs> yes. So we better be get it supported, <laughs> like the prank. You prank better, you better support me because uh, I'm gonna go, you know, run in front of Tina, you know, Tyrannosaurus Rex for you. Yeah, so. and get, get mowed down. <laughs> so how do you, how do you best support as a woman? How do yeah. you best support your, uh, your partner? male counter, yeah, partner? Without mothering, what's the? Well, what's, I, I had what's, a great and had a great education. First and foremost, I'll be honest with you. I picked a partner who there was just no chance in hell, right? So Laird said to me, the first couple of years we were together, and unfortunately his his mom passed away um, the second year we were together. I had a mom, and she died. And he made it very clear. So what it did is it left me off the hook. Meaning I don't need another Don't mom. mother me. Yeah. And so what it did is it made me switch my brain right then where, hey, that's off the table. Because women by nature, we can't help it. We're nurturers, right? So 
sometimes that seeps over like, Hey honey, that joke was kind of inappropriate at the dinner table. You're talking kind of loud. It's all that. Yeah. And, and then what happens is, is we somehow, cause the man's trying to be loving and stuff. They pacify us and then they change all the ways we want them to. And then we don't want them. Right. <laughs> so it's a, it's a great thing where you just say, Hey, I'm going to pick a partner that I feel like our value system is similar. We may right. get there very differently, but our kind of how we line up on some of the big items are yeah. the same. And also what you learn is, for example, Laird is when you're with Laird, you feel really loved. Like when he directs that at you, it's for real, right? So, but it's connected to I'm restless. Um, I need adventure, all these other things. So you sort of say, you start to understand, Hey, these things over here that make this person who they are, I'm going to love all of it. Right. Um, and, and ignore the fact that he talks over me and, you know, <laughs> yeah, these are small things because yeah. you have to start looking at the big things, Yeah, you yeah. know, like they're doing the best they can. They're honest. They're, you know, it's like all these important things right. they're here. Um, and you let it ride. Oh yeah. They're here. That's another story. When I was like, I think I was 27 or eight and Laird said to me, I said something about, you know, I took things way more personal. Of yeah. course you do. Yeah. And then you go, Oh yeah, that's not my thing. He said, I said something and Lara goes, yeah, but I'm here every night. And in my mind, I thought, well, d- duh, I'm here every night too. But I didn't really know what that meant. Yeah. What for, a, mean? for a man yeah. to say, hey, I'm going to really try to be with one woman. Yeah. They're giving you all most of what they got. Yeah. They're giving right. you like 80%. Yeah. And for a woman, maybe she's giving you 35. Right. Right. So it's like to understand too, like understand people's language on how they give. Yeah. Let's say I was very shy mm-hmm. and I came out and I was having a very nice you know, sort of conversation with you, maybe I'm giving you 200% right. because of my nature. Exactly. So I think it's also starting to understand like who they are, they're giving how they can give right, and receiving it that way. Mm-hmm. But don't try to change them because I always tell my friends, if you want to be with a king, you have to treat them like a king. Yep. And if you're always like, don't do that, yeah. they're a pile in the corner. Exactly. Uh, Brian, I'm going to sh- shift gears for a second here. Yeah. Uh, what is the, this is going to be a jarring transition, but uh, that's my specialty as an interviewer. Uh, awkward segues. Uh, your most gifted book. What book, and I'm going to ask you guys the same question. What gift, what book or books have you gifted the most to other people? That, it's probably between two. All right. Uh, Dao De Ching mm-hmm. or, um, the, uh, it's Dan Millman, uh, way, way of the peaceful warrior. Yes. Way of the peaceful warrior. Yeah. Cool. That's, that's like a starter for anybody. Like I mentor or work with like, who's looking. Why, why is that a starter? What, uh, uh, because it takes you from a basic, like, Hey, here's what's going on to like, here's like potential. Here's Got it. ultimate potential. Like you can't fathom that, but if yep. you continue to put one foot in front of the other, right. you can achieve these things. You right. can do what you set your mind out to right. if you're willing to take those steps. It may not happen tomorrow, yeah. but it can happen. Um, and I, I, I think Dao De Jing is just, uh, once you get to a certain level, it's like, wow, like yeah. that, like every little piece right. is like, whoa, layers like, upon layers upon layers like, that can make sense at any point in, of the day for me at this point. You yeah. know? And, and that's, I think the beauty in it. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Gabby. Oh my goodness. I think, you know, I, then this sounds ridiculous, but I read Atlas Shrugged when I was 15 mm-hmm. and I gave that book to a lot of people because it shifted just sort of how I looked 
at certain things. And obviously on the simple read, I think I've given the alchemist to quite a lot of young people yeah. because it's that reminder as you go out in the world and you're looking for all these things, um, that sometimes it is within us or right. You know, again, we laugh like we're back on Kauai, Lair grew up on Kauai. Right. You know, it's like you go around the whole world and sometimes so, what you're looking for is right in front of you. Yeah. And I think it's more true to the idea of even, um, something about yourself or marriage or whatever. It's like, it's just right there. Yeah. You just have to work at it. With Atlas Shrugged, it's very popular in Silicon Valley, of course. Is it? It's very, very popular. Uh, well, I was 15 when I read that book. That's a big oh, book. My friend gave me a, a book. book. That's, a, that's a big book to tackle. I was a much heavier person when I was younger. <laughs> I lightened up a lot. <laughs> what did, uh, I mean, is, um, is that still a book that you would give to people or is that just for a period of time? I think it was, I was in my, the world is not as it seems of uh, phase in my life, you know, probably tells about 23 or four, but I think it's just sort of a good reminder about, it's not about not taking things at face value, right. but it's about maybe creating your own truth because we don't, we can't really figure out any other truth. Right. An objective truth that applies to everyone. Right. Or, so I think I certainly would give it now, but maybe I would give other books now. Got it. Laird. Well, I'm going to go big here. And, uh -oh. and, and at one point, I felt there was only one book in, in, in my opinion, in the world, which was the Bible. Okay. And uh, and I and I've been through it quite a few times. And, and you were, were I, you were raised religious? No, you were not. No. All right. No. And uh, but that's where I found the truth. That I found that the and I found that and I didn't gift it as much as that I gifted the teachings in it. And I think the parables are such a, I love parable teaching because it's so tangible, but when you look at just the basis of what, you know, and, and I, and what I find is that when you find the truth, it doesn't matter what the religion is because the truth is a golden thread that winds its way through all kinds of stuff. And so uh, that's just was the first book that I found a lot of, truth in it and that and then i was able to share that with people parables and and then you run into so many situations in your life and if you just look at basically the 10 commandments and you live that way it would increase the quality of your life now you know as a young kid books that had the most influence on me you know i mean uh you know the lord of the rings was like a huge thing when i was young my mom read those books to me and and uh like I, before i could even read and so i went through the trilogy of those as a young man and you know jonathan Livingston Siegel and the Dune and all these other fantasy books, but but the Bible really, I mean that thing just had you know. And then now, if you came, if you asked me today, like what book am I gifting everybody today? Right. Well, I'm 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 gifting uh, Natural Born Heroes. You know, like that's my that's my book of the, of the year. We have a book club in our in yeah. Our, they have a man our, book club. A man book club. It's comedy. No, no yeah. in the gym. Oh, it's yeah. comedy. In, in my in, or in the gym, we train together, and, and then, then they, they have they, the book of the week or the yeah. book of the month, and we have you know whoever gets one, we go and you know of course Rick's always a big yeah. Uh, yeah. contributor to Hutchie the, too, to right? The, Hutch Parker. Hutch's, Hutch Parker's and I'm just, everybody's contributing, you know, uh, and they'll uh, all get it. Deep survival's it. another great, a deep great, survival. Yeah. Lawrence Gonzalez. That's an incredible book. Um, and speaking about just fear and dealing with, dealing with, um, fear, but this natural born heroes is my, that's my latest kind of craze just because of, you know, again, but all of these all fiction, I mean, all, all, uh, you know, not no fiction. It's nonfiction, nonfiction truth. Right. It's all because I don't, it, my, the way my mind works, I, I don't want, I don't want 
I mean, those, the, I, it's almost like I had the fiction when I was young to create imagination and fantasy, but really what I, I hunger is truth. Like, what is the truth? What are facts? Give me information that I can apply. Right. I want to be able to apply this stuff to life. So here, here's a question about some truth and testing truth that I'm really curious to ask you. And that is, uh, you're you, into testing stuff. You know, every once in a while, every once in a while, when I'm you know walking around with a drip bag attached to me, like an implant, occasionally, (laughs) uh, you're known as an innovator in the sort of water sports world, whether it's toe in surfing, uh, foil board. Uh, or any number of other things. Some golf, no. Exactly. Land, no. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's evolved. <laughs> he's grown legs, <laughs> moved onto land. Uh, what has enabled you to contribute in that way? Because uh, people have been playing in the water for a very long time. Uh, what, 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 what is the, what are the characteristics or the moments that led to you being able to have these breakthroughs or, the, or contribute to these innovations? I think a combination of a couple things. It's, I think there's a for, a little bit of a formula that I've been fortunate enough to be subjected to through how I was raised and, and then, uh, you know, like again, being exposed to, you know, the Lord of the Rings and Dune and some of these really incredible imagination. So development of imagination, but right. you know, Thomas Edison is quoted as saying, you know, all you need to be an inventor is a, an imagination and a pile of junk. Right. And so, you know, and I lived at the end of a road that, you know, where you, you didn't call people to fix stuff, you fixed it. And, you know, you didn't have anything that was, you couldn't go buy stuff. You had to make stuff. And so right. you, you know, and then I grew up in a, in a way where I was, you know, there was racial thing because so I was not liked for how I was born. Right. So then I would be like, well, why would I be worried about what people think when I do something that makes them upset? Right. As, they're as much. Upset. They're already upset. <laughs> they're upset for how I was born. So some of those things, you know, where you have an imagination and you're not, wor- you know, you're willing to subject yourself to failure. Right. That's a big part of it. Of any innovation, you got to be willing to crash and burn and, and at the cost of looking like a fool. People mm-hmm. laughing at you and you just, and not letting that dictate what you do. I think peer pressure, you know, if, if, if it was up to other people, they wouldn't let you do anything. Right. No one would create anything because sure. somebody, oh, what's that? That's a stupid, whether it's your dad or, you know, I mean, I, I used to have, you know, I had a teacher tell me once in school, you can't eat your surfboard. You know, oh, you're not, you can't eat your, a hey, boy, you oh, can't eat your surfboard. Oh, meaning you're not like, you're, that's not going to pay the bills. No. You're right. never going to make a life out of, out of using that. Or I'm just saying, but those are all the, that you, know, you know, I'm just saying <laughs> worst advice ever. <laughs> or maybe you take that as fuel. Wrong guy to say that. that goes, oh, I'll show you or, but, but so I think it's all, I think a lot, those are a lot of the factors, right? It's those, those are the key elements. I think if you look at any, anybody who's willing to, to subject themselves to failure and, 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 and relentless pursuit relentless understand relentless the dog. once it's yeah. in the, the wheelhouse it is like it's the not hunt going away is not going away and so talk give, about it and write it write it down so, so give me an example of, of like what's what's an experience I admit it's obnoxious it's no, obnoxious no, no, no. Well, what's, what's, okay, i'll give you i mean give, what's an I example entered, of the obsessiveness or the persistence. Well, it's weird because it isn't, it's weird. It's not so destructively obsessive, but it's just this tone that you kind of notice. You God, that's still there, huh? Is, um, <laughs> stand up paddling. Okay. So 1998 or seven or so, Laird decided, Oh, I'm going to, you know, try that. It's another way to train. And he was on longboard using kayak paddles and then taping handles. And then before you know it, we're driving to some guy's ha- house who he's asked to make Malama. Is that who it was? 
and on Maui, like extended wooden paddles. So he did for, um, the canoe paddlers in Hawaii. So Laird went to him and said, Oh, can you make it longer? And, and then breaking that one and breaking another one. And then, you know, just trying new boards and, Oh, that guy doesn't have boards blanks big enough for stand up paddle boards. So I got to find a guy. Oh, there's a guy in San Diego, just like going nonstop, nonstop, break things, go out and just, and then on top of it, do it every day, like downwinder, you know, another downwinder. What's a downwinder? Like, so in Maui, when it's went too windy, if it, this, you know, to surf, maybe that means the wind's probably up. And in Maui, it's very windy. So he, you, he gets dropped off at one point and then goes with the wind down Got and it. stand up paddling. That was really one of the best first things that he used it for. And then, it, uh, you know, he incorporated surfing later, but I mean, just persistent and constant every day, even foiling. I really, if I look at foiling, it's like Laird ultimately has been practicing rigorously for the last seven years, quietly, patiently, to get a ride, and maybe another ride coming, but a ride that he had this winter on a wave that he's been secretly thinking about probably for 40 years of his life. So there's a patience, but a relentlessness that I'm like, wow, that is kudos to you that you can hang in there and do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> are you that simple that you just can stay uh, hold on way. now i mean no it's pretty the, impressive but, though but, i mean you've you of course have exhibited no no it's very different i, what is, I would what never is different because you've achieved a lot in many different areas so well, what how is it different laird says like i'm you know sterno i'm a low steady flame laird goes at it at a different degree he gets there much burns quicker, hot for a very long period of time and just yeah and it and also just physically that he can express himself for that kind of endurance is different. A lot of mine is mental. It's a different, it's just different. Um, but I really respect that in Laird because also he does it when no one's watching. He doesn't tell any, he's not talking about it unless it's to have a conversation about how to approach it, attack it, improve it. And so it is a very personal, um, quest that he's on for his reasons of his own. Mm-hmm. Um, like one day we were driving up, uh, PCH and there was like literally all these stand up paddlers out there. And I can remember clearly when it was Laird dragging his one friend lock out there for seven or eight years before anyone was stand up paddling. And I said, how does that make you feel? And he goes, I knew I was having so much fun. So it was never the idea of like, oh, I'm going to somehow bring this into modern day. Right. It was, I'm doing this for myself because I have an idea that I want to express and so it's one of the things I appreciate. Or will it bring me fun and, jo- and enjoyment? Straight up. You know, well, so. Maybe that's why part of the reason you guys are happy. Is, yeah. is that's, that's, I mean, high on the list. All right, you're laughing, Laird. So what's, what's happening over there? <laughs> well, could you explain to people also, because the, the foil boarding. Now, this is, takes my like fear factor to a whole new level because you're basically, well, why don't you explain it for folks? But it's not like you just jump off the board if you, if things are going sideways, right? I mean, no, you're attached. You're attached. <laughs> so what, what a is samurai a samurai sword? Yeah, what is it? What is a foil board? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, a surfboard or just a board, uh, like a wakeboard with a, a, a big strut, like a foil, which is, you know, you see the America's Cup guys are using them and it's a big, it's a big shaft. It's three feet. It's yeah. over three feet long. Yeah. 48 yeah. inches beneath tall. the board, beneath the board. It's like a big fin. It's a hydro. It's foil. a big fin yeah. that okay. makes the board fly off the water, but you're attached to it with snowboard boots and bindings, um, which, you know, you don't swim well with boots right. and, uh, but it's it's something that we've kind of came upon as as you know all of it's about an evolution to try to ride the biggest surf in the world and so we first we started and uh you know with 
prone guns conventionally and then what are prone guns like when you lay down on these okay. big guns and then we knew that guns is the the size yeah, of the border when, you, when it's a gun it's designed for giant waves they're I big see. long it's what it's what uh all the you know the modern manual way to catch waves got is. it i mean and it's an ancient way of doing it but it's the you know we found a cap and mm-hmm. we and we realized there was a ceiling and then that and then we and that's because the bigger waves move faster or bigger waves move faster we're not able to physically keep up keep up and and that's where the con- the concept of towing came from right the idea of being towed onto one and using the power to match the speed of the wave in order to ride bigger surf mm-hmm. and when we did that it made us allowed us to ride smaller equipment that was actually faster right which, and then we could perform on these giant waves and, and when you say giant just for people who may not be familiar with big wave surfing what is what are we, what are we talking well i mean you know you start giant giant starts at you know at at, at 50 foot faces and and then we go, then it goes above. So 60, 70, 80 foot faces. I mean, that's giant. Big surf is, you know, when we say it's big, it's 50 and below. And then it, when it goes to giant and then it, and then it goes to like re- ridiculous or e- enormous, you know, whatever there's giant, there's big, there's giant, there's enormous, yeah. you know, and then everybody can get into it's 82.5 feet and all that stuff. But, but we, we found a cap, you know, at manual, then we found a cap. Ultimately we found a cap with towing for towing what's the and the where's the cap at about probably about uh, in, in the range of 100 feet so that's 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 and we know there's a cap there we know that there's an ability he knows because actually, he's been there they, yeah so we know there's a cap and so at that point and in the continual pursuit it was how do we get where what are we going to need to do and we know that the only way we can do that is to not be on the surface because surface tension is the thing that creates the most drag which is what is stopping us when once the waves are moving at a certain speed how did you do now the what was the moment or the conversation or the event where it's like Holy shit. Like we could do this. Like, because the idea of putting the strut and the, you know, having that foil like effect on a board, it hadn't occurred previously. So what, well, like, no, it actually, there was, it was, you know, it's none of the stuff. I always say every, there's no new idea, just a new application of an old idea. So this, uh, there is a, a, a seated, a seated foil called an air chair that somebody uh, had in the garage on Maui. And one summer we were playing around and some of my friend goes, Oh, this guy's got this weird contraption. So we went over the house. It was in the corner, had mm-hmm. dust on it, cobwebs. And right. we're like, Hey, what's that? Oh, some stupid thing called an air chair. I mean, it, it wasn't bad enough that he would let us keep it. But we got it and we wrote it and we were and it. Was, now, were you being towed you behind stra- something? Or? And you're strapped to it. Yeah, Mike got Murphy it. created it. Yeah. Yeah, and you're strapped to it with a seat. Like, and I thought it was for handicapped initially because the position was very. You're strapped with a belt. Like, yeah, you're in, and it's and that's a yeah. Bad they used position. to tow people behind boats with them. Yeah, and now they have a new and one. So they would yeah. So now with they them. have one wow. called a sky ski where they do flips and yeah. people ride these things and do amazing things on them. And you're towed behind a boat like a water ski boat, and uh, and so we got one. And the first thing that we we wanted to do was stand on it because we go, listen, seating is <laughs> not, seat. not our thing. Again, part of our motto, you know, stand up, stand up on the golf board, stand up on stand up paddling, yeah. stand up, like standing up, better position to be in. We're humans. Yeah. You know, seated's not great. Crawling's not wonderful. Laying down's even worse. So we, uh, you know, so we started to stand on it. And, and as soon as we stood on, we go, Oh, we can stand. I mean, it wasn't, it was hard because we were, you know, using the seat and kind of 
uh, and we didn't have bindings. And so, uh, I asked, <laughs> sounds extremely precarious, <laughs> very bad. And it's got, a, and it has a big sharp blade on on the bottom of it. So it's not something you don't want to be attached to because yeah, yeah. if the thing comes around, it's, you know, that could be a bad, you know, yeah, the, the reaper, there's a problem. <laughs> and, uh, but so then we just took, we took that and, uh, and we asked the guy if it was okay, if we, if we, uh, played with it, as long as we didn't, damage any of it and he said sure so i took the foil out of the board and i took a wakeboard and we made kind of a makeshift uh housing so that the foil could fit on there and i and i and i put snowboard boots on it because we had been doing a lot of snowboarding and we booted ourselves to it and and within you know the first day or two all of a sudden we're standing on this thing and flying and as soon as we stood and flew and we knew we could control it we were like oh now we have to go on the waves we were like, this is going to be, for, this is going to be for wave ride. But did you, yeah. t- you tow behind a skier boat for like almost three years, it, maybe did. more. Yeah. In flat water. Like there's practice, lots of practice. Yeah. Not to mention, weren't you messing around with the hippity hop? <laughs> Wasn't that the hippity hop or was that for toe surfing? No, the hippity hop was for, that was flotation <laughs> device. <laughs> so, what is the hippity hop? Laird used to go out in front of our house in Maui. <laughs> With a hippity hop, and he would try to do it with spare air. Wait, I am so lost. What is a hippity hop? Uh, you know, you don't know when what a hippity hop is. I have no idea what okay, a hippity hop is. It sounds like you know, a giant rapper's, rapper's no, delight, but no, that's the that's, giant ball hip, when you were a kid. That had, like, you just bounce around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hippity hop, physio ball. Laird used to buy hippity hops. It's a it's a physio ball with like a kettlebell horns on it, and like the face of a horse on it or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Laird used to take those, fold them up really small, and attach it to spare air, which is like basically one shot of air if you're for a diver or somebody yeah, under yeah. and in case he was trying to figure out ways to have water well, we were looking it was pre-flotation yeah and we were in the giant <laughs> surf we were still kind of searching for flotation because we were worried about pre-flotation having, you mean like the vests yeah yeah okay like, pre pre uh they're not life vest i guess yeah, yeah. But, but this was pre us using life vests in giant surf now right. it's now it's everybody Straight uses core flotation devices right. in the giant so, so he it's, can there's just yeah. let's just say there's a lot of stages between yeah. like now laird is riding with terry and they're doing it in Kauai to three yeah. or four years yeah. behind boats and you know skis, skis one broken one broken we, we foot. Used them with kites because we were in the beginning of, of the conception of kiting as well yeah so we we kiteboarding we, yeah yeah like we still i mean more or less the the modern toe board is what made kiteboarding possible mm. initially and then the wakeboards came in after but we were the first ones to get the french the, the non with the blow restartable kites, the non-restartable right. Right. let's talk rice, about it right where you just release the guy and he'd just fly as far as he could <laughs> until he crashed and then it was over over and sometimes you'd be like two miles out to sea with a giant quilt have you ever tried to swim with a quilt? It's very hard. Like a giant quilt. I have enough trouble swimming so, without no, any no. type of With a quilt and a lunch tray. So literally the board was like a lunch tray and a quilt. It's like you're two miles out and you're looking at the shore and you're like, this is not a good day. I mean, yeah. it's good until you crash and then I'll tell you. It's good, but until, it all leads good you, until it doesn't. It all leads you So to, how does the hippie yeah, hop with yeah. the rabbit face fit into all this? Well, because it's all, I'm just saying it was all part of like, simultaneously you're trying to figure out the equipment and how to ride it and use yeah. it, how to be safer and make it possible. So would he be like on the foil board with the hippie top no, between first, his legs? No, he's or? too smart for that. He'd be with it folded up and then he'd go out where there was some, you know, white water m- messing around and then he'd in, 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 implode. Get or, dropped off yeah. and then pull it and then it'd pop pull up. And, and see then how we started go. just seeing if it was okay. So we'd have a pre-inflated hippie hop <laughs> tied to our waist. So then we'd, we'd, we'd get so dropped like a, off in front of a giant wave. Yeah. And then, but we realized that the hippie 
hop just bang you in the head. And so, and you'd come up and you'd be face down and the hippity hop would be out of the water, but you would still be under. So we, we, I, I stopped the hippity hop. Yeah. yeah. Like, what, what, this goes back to like what she was talking about with his, you know, the whole incessant, like, I'm just going to do this. But here's the thing is I actually know guys who have taken, who have attempted to do the foil boarding and they just gave up. Because they're like, it's too hard. It's too difficult. Yeah. They did not have the patience or the time to want to invest themselves into something, which is like, which is also why a lot of this stuff just works like with the relationships that they have. And even the, uh, the relationship I have with them yeah. is it, it is a, it's a commitment. It's a full commitment. Now, why do you think, why do you think Laird has the stick to when these other people don't? Do you think it's, uh, and I'm not, I, I won't make it totally a multiple choice question. No. But these are the options kind of running through my head, right? Just having observed how you guys live. Like, is it something innate possible, right? Is it influences that he's had? Is it the peer group that he surrounds himself with or some other factor? Or all? See know. all of the above? Yeah. Uh, because like I grew up in a very similar fashion, um, it, where I was very rebellious, where I was told I wasn't going to be able to do things. I didn't, I, I screwed around. I did. And now it's like, you come around full circle to that, to where you learn how to get good at what, at something you were good at. And where he learned early on is what it seems is that, wow, this worked, this happened. I'm making a living off of surfing or whatever that was that like, and he's not doing it in a contest. He's doing it on his own. Like it, she's grown up in an environment where it wasn't the greatest family environment to where she's thriving and they've, they've created this whole thing where I, you know, I was able to do things that I shouldn't like, I was told I wasn't going to do and I did. And it was because of the, I was so passionate about what I was doing and I was willing to commit to that and continue to see the results of what that brought that that became, Oh, this is what makes sense. You know? And I, I mean, I just wrote something on, on an Instagram post yesterday, kind of about this, where it's like, if you don't have the ability to pay attention enough to your training that to understand what rest is, you're now in an OCD like behavior to where it's like, you don't even understand how you're going to get better at something where it's just paying attention. And it's like, Hey, if I'm paying so attention, he, that, said, paying he atten said a key thing there. Paying passion. attention, no, but, but, but also paying attention, but also part of paying attention is being aware of what's happening and seeing it before it's done. And so, I mean, at the end, it's about envisioning it too, right? You can see what you have to be able to see it to continue to pursue it. Okay. This is a really, <laughs> uh, this is a super important point. So yeah. for yourself, what would be an example of that? Of seeing it and being able to, well, just any, any one of the things I've been involved with. So knowing, knowing, like, for example, we were able to foil some giant surf this, this season. Now we, up until then, we haven't really ever been, I was in doubt of being able to, even though in, in, in instinctually, I knew that this, this is definitely the way to do this. This is the de but I didn't, I haven't seen it, you know, and, and, and again, uh, it's it's that it's that ability to 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 see see it and right. before it's envision being, it yeah the possibility it, to know to know it and then you have all those other things that you need to pursue but you have to you have to actually be able to see it well Think enough possible, to right. keep you motivated <laughs> yeah. yeah and that, uh, uh, so, so Brian I, I have a question for you because you've you've worked with so many athletes and uh, you know I might want to ask you guys the same question and that is. Uh, and, uh, you know, Kelly's an expert at this as well, but, uh, what would your advice be to a, say, uh, it doesn't really matter the age, 30, 35, 40, doesn't matter, but a former athlete 
mm. who's beating themselves up mm. may or may not be me. Uh, no, it's not me, but, uh, somebody who's really just uh, beating the shit out of themselves mm-hmm. who wants to either continue training or get back to the point where they're competing and God knows what, right. You've, you've observed so many athletes. Um, what should they do more of? What should they do less of? More humility, more humility. <laughs> yeah. That's I think, well, I, that's why I thought it was <laughs> yeah. so important that you come up here. Yeah. Was it wasn't? Oh, I need to I need to dose Tim with humility. It's no. It's like, hey, come see what it's like to apply something that you can do for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. If you can't see what you're doing, if you think at twenty that I can just bang away and go as heavy as I want, as hard as I want, as long as I want, and it's not going to have repercussions, you're not looking at it correctly. You, and I've been there. I've done it. I, and I, and, and I think this, this goes to like, this also comes around to, I've learned a lot in the fact that I know, like for one, I don't have the only program. I don't like what I'm putting out. Isn't the only way there are a thousand ways it's, I, I, it's no longer about me being right. It's no, and that that's a lot with what they're doing. It's not about being right. It's I, I see the potential of this and yeah, the world now knows stand up paddle. Like they now know it and it's not about I'm right. This was me. Like it, it's not that it's not, you know, I think it's where as an athlete, if you've beaten yourself up to the point to where it's like, Oh fuck, I've got to deal with this injury. Or I've got to deal with this stuff. I'm not what I used to be. It's well, you have a lifetime right now. <laughs> yeah. What do you want to do? Yeah. Is it about winning? Is it about being the best at something or is it about how, how much better can I be tomorrow at what I'm doing today? And can I just chip away at a little of that? And that is what they have. Not only I have learned to surround myself with is people who are doing that, but that's what these two are doing. That's what Kelly's doing. That's what you've done with your career is you've literally immersed yourself into an environment where you have bred I'm going to meet people who want to be in the long game yep. and, and, and that's what it's about. And, and it really ultimately comes down to that. And, and that training is for life. We call that training. That for is life. What, what kind of training are you doing? Training for life. That, that, yeah, <laughs> that's what the truth is. Yeah. There's nothing further from that is this is what the I, truth I a, is. And there can't be two sides. A professional athlete. And, you know, I mean, I have a bunch of friends that are professionalized, but one particular one, and we were talking about his training and everything. And I said, I go, let me just say what my perspective is when I, when you ask me about training, train in a way so that when you're done playing, you can go do all the things you want to do. And I don't mean sit around and drink whiskey and smoke cigars. I mean the things you want to do physically, like all of the things you want to do. So have a, have a training routine and go about your playing so that when you're done doing that, you can walk, maybe that'd be great. How about you can run? How about you can swim? How about you can bike? How about you can go water ski, snow ski, or whatever things you want to do? Because there's obviously some things you're still going to want to do, yeah. right? And you know, and and so I think that's the the focus is right. Like, it's like training for life, like training in a way that's sustainable that you can handle. You, like you said, you can't just take the hammering for the next sixty years and then wonder, well, man, I can't even walk. And even when you do it that way, it's still. You have to do all the pieces too. You got to remember that, you know, as an athlete, if you, you got to have, it's the whole 
picture. Yeah. It's not just the physical. It's the eating. It's the sleeping. It's the relationships. It's all of those things, what you're putting in your brain, what you're putting in your mouth. I mean, these are all who you're hanging out with. All of that stuff is going to feed into the performance. Right. And <laughs> yeah. I, so I noticed, for instance, one thing I'd, I'd never seen before. I've seen people roll out on foam rollers. I've seen people roll out on weird looking uh, devices that, you know, Kelly makes that look like sexual, you know, toys. Uh, I've never seen someone roll out on a weight plate before. Well, actually that Kelly, Kelly brought that and said it had the 45 pounds. And I was like, that's funny. Cause I was just, somebody else had just given me the kettlebell. So the kettlebell was a wicked one until I got the platter. Oh, from you Kelly. see, did you so, see give you the, yeah, so you see, you see you're using the handle of the kettlebell, yeah, you handle the kettlebell on, on your on, psoas, on or? psoas in the gut. And then, and then, and then he won a Kelly one up me with the 45 pound platter, but I didn't have that one by the pool. So I used a 10 pound platter, but just to get in just the plate. Yeah. Yeah. I think another important thing. And that Brian was saying is that hopefully you hope all of us and you do this all the time. Yeah. You're the ultimate student because you have to adjust. You always have to adjust and be open. Like this was working, but I, maybe I should Mm. change it or. You know, cause it's a, it's a moving target sure. and be open to other people's, um, information and, and, and not be threatened by it and, and give it a try if you're not good at it or whatever. I think that that's a really important thing because then, um, you can keep growing and evolving. So for those athletes, I think it's just be open and, and be a student, but then you have to be disciplined. So when well, you also yeah. have to be willing to accept your, your weaknesses and cultivate those, you yeah. know, it's like, it's funny because everybody, the strong people all go lift weights. So <laughs> the flexible the, people all go do yoga. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, wait, all you flexible people should go bang some iron and all you big weightlifters should go do some yoga. And all, you know, it's like, but we always gravitate towards our strengths because we want to be in our glory. Well, so we're like, I avoid stretching like a plate, <laughs> but I'm, I, I'm now just sore enough and heard enough that I'm like, okay, it's time. I get, I get <laughs> uncle. But being so, the student, being the student, being the teacher, being the student, all that. And, and also the, and again, the willingness to fail being one of the key elements to all those things is ever present because that means you're willing to subject yourself to, okay, I, I'm somebody knows something. I don't know. That's failure. Right. Uh, uh, I'm some new thing you haven't done before that you're not going to be good at. Yeah. Like people want to come in and be good at stuff. That's why the foil board drives half the guys away. Cause they can't just get on it and rip it the first time. Well, not just the foil board, <laughs> but like Brian, you're no. saying that, uh, I mean, obviously a lot of very good athletes come and, and do the, the pool workout and it's like, that's a big humility sandwich right there. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not good at it. It hits I, a lot either, of panic buttons. Well, that's also what weeds out people. Yeah. Except Taylor, <laughs> we, we brought a girl, a, a, a rower up here. Um, rower Olympic. like crew rower. Yeah. Yeah. No, she like, rode with my wife in like 2012 the Olympics. Gave her at all. And, <laughs> yeah. And we brought her up here and we put her in the pool and everybody was just like, it was astounding. <laughs> like she, just, she had the elements though, cause she was already a phenomenal swimmer. Yeah. Super strong. Girl Lungs, rowing. So, heart, you know, again, having those key the components and, and she was very humble, but it was odd. Yeah. She has all the fig- physical attributes, but yeah. she was very humble. Well, she wanted to learn, and, it was but that's aired. the and other combination. Like perfect disposition. It was so weird. Yes. Perfect disposition. Cause you put might and aggression over there. The water goes, Oh, mighty aggressive. Perfect. I'll just drown you. And you just, <laughs> So you, yes, and normally we, as males we just implement aggression and power just muscling, yeah. yeah, and that here not going to muscle the pool. I'm sorry. So you you mentioned weaknesses and strengths, and I wanted to touch on something that you mentioned to me earlier today, which I found very interesting when we were doing the ammo box ammo box exercise. 
And uh, you talked about isolating limbs and isolating weaknesses. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, 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 just, I mean, you know, and, and, and listen, we know that if you work on being more ambidextrous that you get better. It's like, you know, you know, you throw knives with your right hand and you're really good at it. We'll start throwing them with your left hand. It actually makes you better with your right. But again, about isolation of the weaknesses is, is, is about being realistic about what your flaws are. And, and, and working on those. And that's why anything to do with instability, when you talk about balance or in the pool, it really is going to exaggerate those places that normally you can compensate. There's, it's hard to compensate in the pool when you have to swim with your left hand if you have a big dumbbell in your right hand, because there's no other left hand. There's only the one you have. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, you got to figure out how to make it work, right? And you can really, and it really shows you. You can really see, you know, you throw a ball with your left hand if you're right handed and you feel like, oh my God gosh, whose arm is this? I can't even use this arm or kick a, or kick with your left leg or, or even when you go into stretching and you look at stretching, why is my right hamstring so much looser than my left hamstring? Why is my quad, my left quad so much tighter than my right quad? All those things, those are all weaknesses at the end. And, uh, what do you feel like your current weaknesses are that you're working on? Oh, it's ongoing. I got a lot of destruction. You know, I've been beating myself up for a long time. So my weaknesses have more to do with, with damage. Right. But, um, like I got some hip, some hip flexor, something going on with my right leg because of the load that I put on it. It, it, it why it, your it, right leg? Well, it's my back leg in surfing, in surfing, but it's also because my left leg's been broken seven times. So, um, that's in made, surfing or other things, uh, other surfing and, and other things, okay. but I broke my ankle a bunch of times in arch and a bunch of met, all the metatarsals and stuff on the left the left ankle and the left foot is taking a lot of the, of the impact. And so my right's been comp- carrying it, uh, I I, you know, I, for all these extra years. So it's got, you know, my, my right leg has a couple, maybe five or 10 more years of use than my left leg. So I'm dealing with that, with that. Uh, and, the, and, and the fact is that we're all asymmetrical. Definitely. We're all, I mean, even, I mean, I, I told the girls the other day, I go look at the tennis players. I go look at their throwing hand and they're like, they're like, oh my goodness, the guy's one arm is so much bigger than the other one, but you don't even see it unless you look for it. Focus on it. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, but you know, I think that that's a, a you know, again, those are the, you know, right now, like I said, it's a hip thing. It's a, you know, it's, 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 I mean, there's always, and it's elusive thing. It's moving and But even it, with it that, you're around. very disciplined. Like I have to say, Laird is a good patient. Like if he has homework, he does his homework. If he's told to do stretches, he does his stretches. Uh, so you're always, and well, he, that's, but that's come out of necessity. That's because well, I've been hurt so many times. I mean, you really don't learn anything about yourself ultimately until you've been injured. Again, yeah, back to yeah. failure. Back to failure, whether something failed or you did something that made you crash and get hurt. But at the but end, but you also the those thing the is that, like even Brian mentioned earlier, the something that you have that you've discovered is he has the faith that oh, they both go well. If I do this, then I'll probably be a little better tomorrow. So they have that faith, and that too, Laird knows. Okay, if I'm not feeling well, if I'm if I keep trying different things and I stay open and I do my homework, I can probably be proactive in helping myself get better. And I think those elements are important because sometimes what happens is, is sometimes if people aren't feeling well, they're this aged athlete or whatever, they're so far under it, they don't have that faith belief, anymore the belief, or they yeah. don't understand how to unravel that knot. Um, and so I think, you know, it's like priming the pump. Sometimes the water doesn't come out right away, but then if you just keep going, it, it'll start to flow. And I think, you know, certainly in this situation, these guys have seen it enough times. And I think that that's a really important thing for yeah. people to... 
Well, well and you have, if you have the out. fortune to actually have been through it and had success, then it gives you hope. Definitely. You know, when it says your one time when you've been perfectly Iron Man forever and all of a sudden something happens, you're like the whole the whole house breaks and yeah. you're in shock and you can't where if you've been through it and you've recovered once and then you did it and had another thing and you've had enough stuff, but you've made it back through it, it you know, you, it builds the belief that you can do it. I think another piece of, of this, and I'd love to, to ask you about this, Brian, uh, is that a lot of athletes surround themselves with people who love to commiserate. So an athlete will be like, Oh, well, you know, I just turned 30 and you know, once you turn 30, like, Oh my God, my aching joints. No, I know you guys are both covering your faces. And the reason is, you know, I've, uh, but this is so common and then everyone sits around and bitches and moans and they use that as but an excuse media and society too. Yeah. But what I love about, you know, hanging out with you guys or like Titus, right? I guess it was like, there's a huge, there's a photograph. So Titus was in the surfing episode of the, of, uh, the Tim Ferriss experiment, the TV show and walked into his garage and there's this photo of him him surfing a 50 plus foot wave. And I'm like, what is that? And he goes, Oh yeah, it was my 50th birthday. I was just like, I have no excuses. Like shame on me for ever even thinking I have an excuse and, uh, hanging out with Rick for instance. And then I guess, um, the name is Don Wildman. Is that um, oh, can, no, the Don yeah. a picture of him back there? Could you explain for to people? Uh, and, and then Brian, I'd love to ask you outside of the examples I just gave sort of who inspires you in that same way way. Like my, one of my, my only coach really I'm working with right now is a uh, 60, just turned 62, a uh, former four time world record holder in uh, Olympic weightlifting. And he can still do what he used to do. I mean, not necessarily the same weights, but cold, you can just go out and jump into like ass to heels, snatch and tennis shoes. Uh, and it's so inspiring to me because whenever I'm like, Oh, woe is me. Like move my poor left ankle. I'm like, suck it up, Ferris. Like give me a break. So Wildman, um, yeah, can you Don, explain? Well, Don Wildman, 82. Yeah. Uh, you know, 80 days of heli, uh, 80 days of snowboarding last year. I just went heli snowboarding with him like a month ago or two months ago in Alaska. Uh, just, you know, I mean, heli boarding is a, a rigorous activity, a week straight, you know, 15, 16 runs a day, you know, third, fourth day, you're, you're wobbly, not a word out of the, out of the gunslinger. And, uh, you know, he just is like, you know, but, but when you meet him, you know, you, you, his, his, his hunger for, for information, his, his, his youthful enthusiasm, you know, it's like, I think that is such a key element. When you look at any of these guys, you see an enthusiasm in him. And I think that's what happens to a lot of athletes. I think they just lose their enthusiasm. They're burnout. They've been doing their sports since they were five or 10 and they've been in the pressure around it. And so I believe ultimately that it's a conscious decision that with a physical manifestation. And so Don was never accepting it as being you know he all oh, the you know the guy that held the you know he he always gives you stuff like the guy that held the olympic record for lifting was 52 or 54 before steroids and blah 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 and all this stuff you know when you see that and 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 but what's great about somebody like don who's my my guy that i look to is that just there it is yeah you don't have to imagine what it looks like there it is it's alive it's well i mean you, you i put don on a bicycle and i can take pretty much almost anybody on a bicycle unless you're like a professional bicycle list and he will hammer you you will be hammered and you will be asking me how old is the guy up in the front with the gray hair like 82 he's gonna hammer and he can still do what like 15 17 pull-ups i mean oh yeah he's a pull-up machine 
Amongst other things, yeah. <laughs> amongst that's just a, so, that's so, just a small that's so, a small tip of the small iceberg. Piece, piece yeah. of what would you attribute that to? Like, why has he not lost his enthusiasm? And and maybe a different way of putting it is, for people who are like, God, I would love to have that enthusiasm, but I just don't. Like, how do I develop that? What do I do? Like, I I I'm willing to work. Like, what do I do to have that youthful? Well, I, I mean, I think in his his case, he's got a, a couple driving forces. I mean, he he has guilt. And, and he loves to eat. So that's one that like Don has a unique thing about that, that he can implement. Like he wants to eat whatever he wants. And I mean, and he loves to eat like, you know, cakes and pies and ice cream. And like, he'll just devour that stuff. But he, at the same time, at, at the same time, he wants to be, he wants to be, he doesn't, he's not going to be fat. He doesn't want any fat on his body. And, and so, so for him, he's earning it. Like yeah. he's for, in this particular case, he's earning it. Right. And also too, the, you know, he always says it takes the piss and vinegar out of you. You know what I mean? Like he knows how it affects his mood and how it makes him feel. And so it, it, once you subject yourself to it for long enough and you're consistent enough, you know, it's, you start to get addicted to that. You're right. like, food tastes great. My sleeping's great. My sex is unbelievable. I'm just, you know, it's like all this stuff where he just, and then you don't want to lose that. And then you use that. That becomes the new normal, right? That's the norm. And then you don't, and then that becomes the driving force. And then it's easier and you, and it's never an option. Yeah. You never make it. It's like Gabby says, you know, it's not like it's, you don't choose whether you want to brush your teeth or not. You don't go, oh, I'm not going to brush my teeth this week. You know, I don't need to do that. It's just something that you <laughs> well, do. It's like, yourself. well, no. exactly. But no, but yeah. Well, well, the other thing Don does that's very genius, it goes back to what Brian said, which is he solicits people to be in his group because no man can really do it alone. So he always has these guys around him, most of them quite a bit younger. So the energy goes into the pot. And everybody rolls. Or girls. Yeah. Yeah. Very like, his, like his girl. Well, yeah. One girl. Yeah. But I'm just saying, but he's got a, but he's got a girl, but he loves to be a host and yeah. bring people with him and yeah. do things. He'll and, give you the bike. He'll that, put your music set up for you. Yeah. He'll do everything for you. Well, it seems like you're doing that Do you that think now. it's yeah, odd yeah. that he does that, that they do that? Starrett does that. I, the we, host. Uh, Aaron yeah. and I do that. Like, it's like we invite, like I'm picking up a girl this afternoon at LAX who's going to be staying with us for a week to right. train and yeah. participate. And, you know, it's like, this is. Thank food. you for your 80 units of energy contribution to the pot. Yeah. Now yeah. The, the average yeah. has gone up. Now we're going to yeah. absorb that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, and, and also too, it, it also it also confirms what you're that you're. It's like a, a reminder. Yeah, you know, because again, it's like like Gabby said with the stand up paddlers. Like at the end, when you go through what you went through today, and then you and I see your face, and I know what it did to you, and I know later you'll be like sitting somewhere and you'll want to go to sleep. I'll be like, I'll be like, hey, just give me the call, like yeah. call me because I want because it's confirmation yeah. of you, that you're not alone. Because when you're alone in something. A lonely place is a, is, a, is an unmotivated place. Oh, that's a great way to <laughs> put know, it. It's an unmotivated. When you're lonely, it's very unique to find a complete loner that has full maximum motivation. Really motivated. We, we are communal. We are communal. But that's why we're subjected to all of this peer pressure, too. We're, right. we're subjected to social pressure of, hey, now you're 30, you're over hill. What are you going to do now? So, you know what I mean? But that's social stuff that yeah. we implement. So, yeah. but we, the reverse is that is, Hey, we're all together and I, you're 60, you're 70, I'm 50, I'm, he's 30. We're all going, let's go. Yeah. So definitely you know. I was talking to, um, my, uh, my, my trainer's wife, who's awesome. And she also has a couple of world records, uh, and a super sweetheart. And she's, I guess, 55 around there. 
And she was, she said to me, she's like, you know, when people start to get old, she's, and she said, it's when they stop jumping, when they stop jumping. And, uh, you know, we can talk about whether that's right or wrong, but the, the follow up was even more interesting to me because she has a daughter, a young daughter, and there was something stuck up in a tree and she got up into the tree and her daughter was like, mom, be careful. It's really high. And she climbed up 20, 25 feet, got the thing out, climbed back down. She's like, do you know what it says to a daughter to see her mom who's 55 effortlessly like go up into a tree, get it and come down. Like it just shows her possibilities that well, she, or it'll she, make her, yeah. or it'll make her, it's like, you know, sometimes like your kids see you train like you, like we train, they might be like, maybe I don't want to train. <laughs> Maybe I don't want to climb trees. <laughs> Mom's crazy. <no. laughs> so, Brian, Brian, who other? Speak, speaking of crazy people, Sometimes speaking of crazy people, uh, <clears throat> Brian, who who else sort of inspires you? People you look up to uh, as, uh, say, the, the Don Wildman type. It doesn't mm. have to be someone yeah. older than you, but like, who yeah. who are the people you look to as inspiration when maybe you're feeling overwhelmed or burned out or, or fill in the blank? Um, I, I, I do a, a, a decent amount of reading, um, and a decent amount of watching of documentaries, um, and a decent amount of being voyeuristic with people who are creative, regardless of that creativity. Um, a lot of it has to do with food, uh, sometimes because, food. yeah, well, it's just, you, you look at what they're doing like 20 years ago, maybe a little longer, uh, chefs were not looked at as anything. Right. They were just here. You're in the back cooking. Right. You, now, if you've paid enough attention, they are these masterful creators of things. You know, one of the great, one of the best documentaries I've ever seen is called, it is a movie called spinning plates, spinning plates, spinning plates. It's, it's a must see if you're really looking to progress yourself because there's, there's a guy by the name of, uh, his name's Grant and he, and he runs one of the top seven restaurants in the world. And, he has this way of dealing with food, much like you see a lot of great chefs at this point, whether it's uh, Nomo. Which country is he in? He, he's in the United States. Is his name Grant Ackett's? Yes, yes, Grant Ackett's. Okay, so. And Alinea. Yes, Alinea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so he's got Amazing. Alinea, but so they're following Alinea, but they're also following a homestead in like Iowa that's just this family run place that the entire community goes to. And then they're following this Mexican place in Tucson, which is barely making it. And they play the entire show and you're watching this movie, this documentary on all of these places. And as they're progressing in their trials, their tribulations and all this stuff. And at the end, they grant has seen the entire thing. And you think he's this like demigod of, of food. And he explains what he does and he goes, and you know, and what I'm doing is, is if somebody can come to my restaurant and they feel that they taste the food and, and they feel it and I get, and, and they come to ask in the back if they can talk to the chef and they say, Hey, I feel like I know you. And he goes, that's exactly what I'm going. That's exactly what I want to do. And, and in, in essence, that's what I do is it's like, I want people to see how I see the world. Don't take everything I do, but let it inspire you to some degree. But he literally goes at the end of this thing. The Mexican restaurant is doing the exact same thing and it failed at that point in the movie. It literally, they, they had had, they went bankrupt and they didn't make it and you know, it didn't last. And he's like, but nobody understood that. 
Nobody, because they think because it's not flashy and it's this thing that they're not getting that experience. Yet it was that experience. And that homestead, that's the exact same thing I'm doing. They're just expressing themselves in another way through this. And we're not taking the time to understand that. And I think that's where one of the missing links is with a lot of people is we want this great, huge, massive inspiration. But the fact is, is every bit of inspiration you need or want is in front of you and anything you want if you're willing to go the length to be obsessive enough about it. Yeah. And, and I think that it, 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 like, it's not just food with me. It's like, I just watched some coach do something the other day who I remember this kid like seven years ago at my buddy's gym. And he was just this little kid who was just learning and wanting to understand he's doing things right now from a gymnastics perspective that he's showing people through social media of him doing things and how he sees the world that is just amazing and i'm like fuck i i get so much out of that and i'm like i'm gonna go and do some stuff that's like inspiring me to do that and it's whether it's what you choose to get out of things yeah. i think what's his name um, his name's colin parody colin parody yeah cool check yeah. it out no i think it's it's so true i mean the like you were saying um laird that there you know no new ideas just sort of old concepts and ideas applied to new areas it's like you don't have to look in fitness to find inspiration to be better in fitness, you can, you can look at someone like Grant. Grant's amazing. Of course. Yeah. I mean, he cooked for, I think it was a period of one or two years with no taste because he had, ad- he had ad- advanced yeah. tongue cancer. Like, uh, who was it? Beethoven, I think, who composed without being able to hear. Just insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I want to be really, uh, this is, this is so much fun, but I want to be respectful of your time. So I, I'll just ask one or two more questions. Um, so why don't we start with, um, and I'll ask the same, same question of all three of you, but, uh, Gabby, uh, (laughs) ladies first, first. Mm -hmm. uh, what advice would you give to your 30 year old self? Oh, well, I always say I would have, and I mentioned this earlier, but certainly not to take anything personal, but also maybe don't hold yourself back. I think sometimes, and I think this is a trait of a female more than of a male. Um, we have a tendency sometimes to sit on our talents and potentials because we don't want to offend anyone or we don't want to be singled out. You know, I heard a great story. I had a coach once that said he was an assistant coach to the men's uh, USA volleyball team. And in this game, it was one point and the coach said, looked straight at Karch Karai and said, I need you to put this ball away and you to win this game. And it was like, boom, okay. And he said it was amazing. And then he did it. And then he had his opportunity. He was coaching a bunch of women at a very high level. And he did the same thing to the athlete that was the one. And everyone, it didn't work because all the other, it was like a singling out that women, we have a hard time with. Instead of undering, understanding that you can be singled out, but still for the greater good. Right. So I think I, I would have maybe um, not tried to, I think I sat on some of my talents a little bit. And, um, and also I think I, I certainly, like I said, tried to, I took things personally. So I would tell that person, like, don't take it personal. You know, yeah. I tell my kids, learn how to say, I'm sorry, that doesn't work for me. It's, a, it's, again, I've learned a lot from being around men. I, re, I respect a lot of traits. You can, you can deliver a message without emotion. Usually women, in order to finally stand up for themselves, they have to be kind of ramped up and then it just comes out ballistic instead of like, no, that doesn't work for me. And then we don't, and also not to then second guess that after right. you've laid that lo- line down. Um, I think that that's really important. And I think, um, 
you know, it's important to like, if you have gifts and talents, whatever they are, don't feel guilty and bad or weird about it. And, and, but you know, you don't have to be a schmuck. I mean, you don't have to, you know, I always tell kids, if you're on the team, you're lucky. And if you're the best one, you're the luckiest. So it's, it's calibrating all of that. I think I would have done that, but you know, we always say we're grateful for it because it gets you where you are. Grateful for, for whatever things you had to go through that you didn't or didn't do. The notion of regret is, it's not that it's pointless, but you know, it's sort of like that gets you to where you, where you are. Yeah. Good advice. Good advice for anybody. Uh, Laird, what advice would you give your 30 year old self? Stop drinking now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Laird. That's genius. <laughs> Stop drinking now. Stop drinking, drinking now. now. Yeah. Stop drinking right now and patent all your ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Good advice. Wow. They go together well, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Stop drinking Drink right much, now. Forget about yeah. the patents. Yeah. And like, <laughs> You don't worry. If you file your patents and you're drunk, also kind of messy. Yeah, good, that is good advice. Uh, Brian, what about you? What about you? Um, Thirty. I, I think patient. Be patient. Be patient. Be more patient. And what if what if your thirty year old self was like, "Fuck that! Why should I yeah. be patient?" Well, that's why. <laughs> you know, you don't understand. Just yeah. be patient. Uh, you know, I, I think I was in a, in a in a big rush at thirty. You know, I'm, I'm forty now, and so it's like a decades gone by, and it's like if you know, I I am so. I mean, I'm like wow, like being pa- like I am so much more patient now, and there's much more work to be done. But it's like, it's just when it's piecemeal, and it's it's this just okay. It makes so much more sense when you're putting stuff together. What has helped you most to become more patient? Um, I honestly, the experience, you know, and, and the relationships that I have, you know, the relationships that I used to have versus what I have now. Wow. Like it's just, just better inputs. It's not even better inputs. They're just, they're real people. <laughs> this is real. Like yeah. this is really real. Like, you know, I mean, I have a wife that is just amazing that, uh, understands me and, and on a level that it's like, Hey, you need to do your thing. You need to do it. You know, I support it. Like go, like I get it. Like I, I have crazy behavior. Like, you know, like get fixated on things that I'm doing and it's like, she, she's like, she may not get it, but she gets it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and, and you, that, that's so hard to come by when you're 30. Like there, yeah. I, I didn't know, I didn't date girls. Well, and that, that was my problem. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> that it was like, I wasn't patient enough to date girls when I was 30 or to be involved with women that I was at 30 that understood stuff like that. Yeah. You know, um, you know, it, it, to be involved with people and women like that is, is truly a blessing. So I, patience is definitely a big one at 30. Yeah. What about you? What about me? Yeah. Yeah. I would, uh, I would have told myself, start meditating. It's not just for hippies who play the didgeridoo. Start sitting down. Rick is actually, Rick Rubin's one of the, the, he and another friend. I was just going through a very anxious, rushed, like aggressive period where I had a short fuse and was just in a rush to get everything done. And, uh, spoke with two close friends. One was Chase Jarvis, world-class photographer, amazing guy. And, uh, he was like, you know, maybe you should try TM, uh, you know, mm-hmm. transcendental meditation. Yeah. There are many types of meditation. And then I was like, ah, 1500 bucks to get a mantra. No, thanks. That sounds like a cult. And then, uh, and then, I, and then I had coffee with Rick and he's like, have you ever thought about TM? And I'm like, God damn it. This TM. All right, fine. 
Uh, but just, uh, I would have said there, there are many, I, I worry with these hypotheticals of screwing up, like causing an unintended butterfly effect in the past. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, no, I wouldn't have changed anything. Yeah. I'm not sure I want to change anything, but mm-hmm. the, I, 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 it's hard for me to see how taking 20 minutes first thing in the morning to meditate would have produced any bad yeah. results for me. Well, that's, that, that's back to patience. Yeah. Well, exactly. you, know, yeah. you know, what's yeah, interesting exactly. too in that, in that book, um, that Laird talks about if you're the if, natural born heroes, natural born heroes, if you're, if you're hunched forward, well, first of all, if you're hunched forward, you go into flight or flight, right? Mm. You have a physiological response. And now that we're all on our gadgets, we're all perpetually in a, in right. a, we're in this position. In so it position. creates anxiety. Yeah. And, well, and, so there's and, things, and also and we're not too, in our predatory, and we're not looking around. We're not looking well, around. We're not looking around. So we, we're in this position and then we're, we have an in, instinctual thing to know what's going on around yeah. us and we don't while we're doing it. And that just grinds on our So system. I think we're actually putting ourselves, um, unknowingly in positions physically that are also creating an emotional response that it, one of them being anxiety and angst because we're not living fully or closer to our natural state totally. that we should be in. I totally agree. I've been trying to take time every day at the very least, even if I'm doing a lot of writing, because I also think that uh, we're going to find a lot of uh, visual problems uh, oh. with, with people who are only focusing <laughs> oh, between 8 and 12 oh, inches God. all day long. So I try to get Sunglasses. outside and just focus on things in the distance and really take in. Oh, solar gazing, that'll be... You could work on that. That would really help your vision. We can talk so, about that. Yeah, later. that's, that's, but, but no, whim, no, no, no. But you know what? You're talking about meditation, whim, whim. You know, you, Wim Hof, you, you yeah. do that program because yeah. his whole thing is about meditation. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, at the end, it's all these drills and be the Iceman, but yeah, it's he's ultimately a, about he's meditation. A, yeah. 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 I want to get, I want to get breathing on the show at some through point. Through the breathing. Yeah. And you know what I love about and his delivery? It's a mechanical meditation. It's not, it's not this, it's not a swami kind of ethereal thing where you're like trying to grab something in space. This is mathematical. Yeah. And he, he's first one to say, I don't have the answer. And you know what? This guy's going to be better at it than me. And it's okay. It's great. I love it. Yeah. You feel amazing. All right. Let's go. And And that's, that's like, wow, we don't have to get there today. We're going to do the best we can. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) Check that out. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. I have to check him out. So if you guys could make, this will be the last question before we, I just ask where people can find everything you're all up to. But, um, Brian, if you could make one ask of the people listening or one rec- or one ask or recommendation, what would it be? Um, I, I, I honestly, it's like what we were, you asked in the, um, you know, sauna is like, what do, what do you, what, what's tickling your fancy? And, and it's the breathe, you know, the breathing, mm-hmm. it, being more aware of your breathing, because the, oh, quite honestly, it's exactly what Gabby just brought up when we were just talking about is when you're, you can't breathe correctly when you're here. When you're collapsed. Yeah, when you're collapsed. It's all about a position. And and that's basically more or less what Kelly and I have really worked our careers at is, you know, it's about position and what you're, what the way you move is the, I understand what you're saying. Like, I see what's going on inside. Don't, you know, you can't lie to me at this point, you know? And so I, I think it, for me, ultimately it's about breathing. And and honestly, that's, I would never have arrived at the meditation thing had it not been for the breathing and it, and it being like, this is fun. Like I'm having a blast seeing what I get out of this and how I feel after doing this and going through this stuff. And I think if people really were willing to figure, see that stuff, you know, I, it, to take the time to do that, it, it, it takes a, a couple of weeks and then you're like, wow, this is really something 
like I have not thought about regardless of what the breathing is. Right. You know, is there, where would you suggest someone start with I, that? I honestly think people should start with Wim Hof. Yeah. Wim Hof method. Uh, Google it. You go take it. It's a cheap course for 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, we're tweaking and playing with other things and you know, that's what we do. But it, I honestly think the guy, and we'll probably get him out here at some point. And it's doable. Yeah. I yeah it's very it's doable. Very, very doable. You know, yeah, I, the I, ice man. Yeah. yeah. Look, look him up guys. He's amazing. And you yeah. don't have to sit in the ice right away. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think it <laughs> starts there even through that with cold showers. But the fact and, yeah. is, is it's right. like, I, I don't care if you're a CrossFitter, if you're a professional athlete in some other sport, if you don't breathe right, you're, you've got a fault going on. Yeah, you've yeah. got something going on and you can expand upon it and you can understand much more. And it was, you know, like I said, with the Eckhart Tolle thing, it's like yeah. Eckhart's thing is the breath, the breath, because the breath is now yeah. there's nothing after yeah. you're not thinking about the past. You're not thinking about the future. You're focused on what's happening right now. Well, the, but the, and the breath and the spirit are as one, because exactly. when the baby's slapped on the butt and takes so the first breath is when consciousness, happens. my mom said that exact same thing to me. Exactly. You know, I'm just saying, but when the breath leaves, the spirit leaves. Yes. I mean, that's the breath is the spirit, the breath of life. Yeah. So Gabby, what would, uh, what would your ask or recommendation be? Well, I, I ask that everyone, you know, I always say that we only appreciate our health when we don't have it. And I think, you know, through injuries and things, I've learned to, uh, appreciate my health. But I think if, you know, sort of besides your friends and family, that the most important thing to covet and take care of is yourself. Even it's just to the best of their ability. Like if you're not walking today, go walk. You know, if you're, if you're still smoking, you know, smoke less. Like it's not about get it all done all at once, but just finding a way to make that a real priority. Um, and then my ask would be, I always say that I'll go first. And so that means if I'm, uh, checking out at the store, I'll say hello first. If I'm coming across somebody make eye contact, I'll smile first. That if people would experiment with that in their life a little bit. Um, Being first. Be first because uh, not all times, but most times it comes in your favor. But then uh, the response is pretty amazing. Like you'll see somebody, I, I was at the park the other day with the kids. Oh my God, Hur- Hurricane Harbor, it's like hell. And there were these two women, a little bit older than me. We couldn't be more different, right? And I walked by them and I just looked at them and smiled. Their smile came to their face so instantly, they're ready. But you have to go first. Because now we're being trained in this world, nobody's going first anymore. So for me, it's like take care of yourself because that also helps you go first sooner if you feel pretty good. And go first. I love it. Laird? Well, they that's not fair. They went first. (laughs) They did, they did, they did steal some good they material. They took the breath and they went, but you know, and I think part of, you know, I think, I mean, I, of course the breath is, you know, that, that, that's, that's so that's, that's our food. That's what we get when we don't eat. And that's our, the breath of life and, you know, and going first and, and cherishing the temple, uh, you know, I mean, and I, and I, and I think what Gabby said about going first leads to where, what I think too. And I think, it, um, and the, and again, quoting the my latest favorite book natural born heroes but the uh you know compassion that i think compassion is is exercise compassion every day if you could actually go out and just exercise some form of compassion 
uh, no matter what it be, I think that's some powerful stuff. I think it would be a different world if people uh, went and, 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 and were compassionate. I have to remind myself and that's, uh, that's an ask, but that's also a do for me. I'm asking myself to do it. Um, and I, and, and again, I use that as, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, which is, you know, ask of your, what you want of yourself. And then I think it's probably what, you know, it's like, I like stand up. I like foiling. I like this, you know, I like the breathing other people will like it too, you know? So that mind's the, I think I'm going with the compassion. Compassion. And it seems like going first is a good, is a good small step. Yeah. And you know what's important? I think the most important thing from, from all of us would be don't do it. It's about each person doing it their way. Mm -hmm. That discovery, not, Oh, Laird's way or Brian's way or Gabby's way or Tim's way. It's about, does any of the conversation spark you to motivate you to find your way? Because that is the right way for you. Definitely. Um, I don't believe that any of us believe in saying this is the way. Yeah. I mean, certainly breathing, it's hard to get around it. But ultimately, when do you do it? How do you want to do it? Whatever that is. How do you want to eat? Whatever. Outside, inside exercise. But it's really more about you've got to put energy into finding right. your way. Right. And I think physical yeah. things, the, if you want it, cause we're talking about emotional yeah. things, but his is physical, hers is emotional compassion, but, and then just drink more liquids, hydration, yeah. drink more water, like, you know, air and water. I, the two it, It's the, <laughs> yeah. this all goes to, and you just said, it's like be an experiment. And I, we've gotten so far away from that. And I think this is where science has really led us because science has really gotten far off. And the fact that everybody in science is trying to prove themselves right. And that's not what science is. Science is not about proving yourself right. Science is about learning something new. And mm. that is if you aren't willing to experiment and learn it your way, that's how it's going to make sense. Yeah. Like, And it's your like don't, don't just – Try whim's way. Like I'm yeah. like yeah. seven different, uh, you know, yeah. breathing techniques yeah. in yeah. at this point, which is yeah. just you know radical. But it's like that's where it's led to, and you know he's Laird's done it as well. And it's you know that's the thing is yeah. be an experiment so that you understand what works and what doesn't, not For what you. some paper right. is telling you. you. And also, I mean, what's what's really inspired me hanging out with with all of you guys uh, is that another way of looking at experimentation is playing. Mm. Like yes. you guys have an element of play that I think many people lose as soon as they graduate from high school or college and they, and they, they try at it than women That's, playing. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Well, we and also let your play not be so destructive because sometimes we have a tendency as we get older to, to make our play become more Maybe of a like Vegas, Vegas, baby. That's yeah. I'm saying. More wow. But our play becomes Stop more, drinking becomes now. more of a destructive <laughs> process. And it's like what I said about Wildman and I said about every single guy and I guarantee you your trainer. Yep. Has retained his youthful enthusiasm. Definitely. They both play all the time. Exactly. If, if the mom's climbing trees, yep. then I guarantee you that they retain, and it's about retention of your youthful enthusiasm, that that's really about what it's about, right? It's yep. having fun and that spirit of that child is what will lead you to be an older child. Yeah. You'll older, be, you'll be older, young, but you'll be young. You'll be, you'll, you'll be young. Uh, this is great. I, I want to close with just asking each of you where we can learn more about what you're up to, your work and so on. So Brian, uh, there's so about on, seven on the, on the internet. I think the easiest way to get a hold of me is through, uh, or, or find out more about what we're doing is, is through athlete cell, which athlete cell.com, which is going to probably transfer. How do you spell that? Athlete cell. So athlete, 
and then C E L L like a, you're in a cell block Got um, that it, you can get a hold of me there or you can find out with our training information, stuff like that. Um, I am most active on either Twitter or Instagram. Like I will active it, get active with people on Twitter who behave. Um, say, what you- are your, uh, what's your handle? Uh, at I am unscared. Which is also tattooed on his knuckles. Which is tattooed on the knuckles. You can see it in the four-hour um, body trailer. Which is just another way of me saying, I'm going to deal with humility today. I'm going to deal with fear. Uh, and, and so it's just a constant reminder. So uh, that those are both my handles for that. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty active on there. So Cool. Um, okay. Yeah. I am unscared on both Twitter and Instagram. Yes. Yeah. Gabby? Uh, well, I have a site, GabbyReese.com, but most of my energy right now is... Now, in, just for people who aren't good at spelling. Uh, G-A-B-B-Y-R-E-E-C-E. I know who's Reese spelled with a C, uh, .com. But most of my, my energy right now is in... Um, I developed a curriculum called HIX, and it's H-I-G-H-X. And so there's uh, HIXtraining.com. And, uh, which is no joke. Yeah. Check, check it out, guys. Please do. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, but there's a community fun aspect kind of to it. But, um, I mean, anyway, so I'm putting a lot of my energy into that at the moment. So that's my, been my main focus. And how can people, uh, uh I, I'm a, I, I am active on Instagram and Twitter, which it'll be funny when you get to Laird. <laughs> what? Laird, Laird, Laird looks less, less, less frequent. He's smart about that. Laird, but, you're the smartest of us all, honey. But uh, uh, what, what are I'm your handles? I'm at Gabby Reese. At Gabby Reese on both. G A B B Y R E E C E on on Twitter and Instagram and and um and if you want to know anything about Laird on his Facebook, I'll tell you what we we posted for him in the last few days. He's he's so funny. He's like I don't I don't understand. Like you're telling me this is more valuable than like the actual doing, and I'm like oh, secretly it's becoming that way in the yeah. world we live in. You know, I just I will I will say, and maybe this is me being delusional. I think that. I think that the doing is still the most important. Yeah. And if you, well, cause the, at least the, you're having fun, but the social media, the social, social media can, can add velocity if yeah. you, to something that is already going in the right direction. But the, the yeah. doing, the doing is still, I take heart. Like you look at, say, Rick, you yeah. want to see inactive social media. Look at Rick Rubin's stuff. Well, I mean, he doesn't I think even, it's one tweet. He doesn't like, even, hey. he doesn't even talk on the hey. phone. Yeah, he doesn't talk to on the phone. To his friends. He doesn't talk on the phone. Never mind either. social media. So, like, <laughs> so the doing can still, you can still sort of stand on the merit, but the social media stuff can definitely add, uh, add velocity. That's right. Or add, uh, add speed. So, um, Laird, where can people find you can find, find your me stuff? in the Pacific Ocean dot <laughs> 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 org. You know, and that'd be PacificOcean.org, Laird.org. <laughs> and well, well, you have LairdHamilton.com. Yeah, I have LairdHamilton.com. And you're on I have Facebook. Laird, I have Laird Stand Up. Laird Life. Laird Life. Laird Stand Up. LairdStandup.com. That's Laird L A I R D, not L A R D. Not Lard. Or L A R D. L A R R Y. That's Laird's favorite thing. People go, he's. They're like, what's your name? Laird. Larry? No, Laird. Lard. He's like. You know, yeah, amazing Larry. getting coffee. Yeah. I just let him go. I had a guy call me Larry for about three years. I didn't even say, I didn't even tell him. I, why would I tell him? Why would I ruin his, pop his buzz, bubble? No, and then, uh, but you can see some of the st- other stuff like, uh, are uh, the latest, we just redid the site on, uh, golfboard.com. Yeah. So that's, that's okay. golfboard. Golfboard.com is a, is a, is our, is our company that we started that's just, exploding right now. Mm-hmm. The golf boards are taking over the golf courses like stand up, uh, is taking over the ocean, but Laird stand up and, and then you will, you are, do we still have, uh, what? our joint stuff? 
No. Oh, Laird and Gabby, uh, Gabby and Laird.com. Yeah. yeah. All our health and fitness stuff is on, is all free. It's on Gabby, G-A-B-B-Y and Laird, L-A-I-R-D.com. Cool. And we'll put all these uh, links in the show notes, guys. So if you missed anything or uh, lost something in your note taking, you can check out the show notes and links and so on at fourhourworkweek.com forward slash podcast. Guys, this is awesome. Thanks so much. Thank really, you. Thanks. Really you fun. did really good today. You Thanks. should feel yeah. proud. I'm yeah, gonna, you did. You I'm going to come back. I don't want to be one of those you guys. You survived. I with Laird all the time. And you're like, why did he use there once? Yeah. <laughs> Laird always used to tell guys in a row is more than once. You know? yeah. So I, uh, <laughs> no, you did I, great. I hope to come back. And, yeah. And, and nice talk. work, Tim. You're Thank the man. You. Oh, thanks, yeah, guys. you subjected yourself to another test. I did, and I think I'll need a long <laughs> nap say, this afternoon. <laughs> yes, I'm I making sh- shirts pretty soon. XPT, I survived. Yeah, Extreme pool training. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, this is this is fantastic. Everybody, check out what they're out to. Say hi to them on the interwebs. Be nice and play. Until next time, thanks for listening.